International News. Oh, we might be a bit early, mightn't we? You, yes, we sorry about that. Haven't got any international news for you. <laughs> but I tell you what I'll do. I might just re re-cue that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a bit of a pain, isn't it? It is good if you watch what's happening. So obviously something's gone wrong there. I had it all timed out. But it isn't going to work now. So it looks like I'm going to have to gas bag up until, up until the news comes up. But that's all right, isn't it? I was just reading about this um, fellow who thinks he's a... Um... Well, hang on. Better start streaming. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Welcome along to the program, and uh, Grant, he was here with you just before five o'clock, one minute away from the news at five, and uh, yes, I made a bit of a bit of a cock up there at the beginning, but never mind, we'll get there, won't we? Now, um, we've got news coming up in about, um, looks like around about one minute, so I was actually just reading in the Otago Daily Times about this fellow that's been sent to jail uh, for he was selling bleach as a cure for COVID. He's been jailed. <laughs> this is the second time he's been before the judge. The man who seized upon the tragedy of the COVID pandemic as a money-making opportunity by selling bleach as a cure for the, for the apparent so-called virus, making his company more than $100,000 during the global event, the international event, really, isn't it? Uh, he's been sent to jail yesterday. Uh, Roger Blake is his name, and he goes by the name of Roger William Living Man. <laughs> Another one of those. Uh, appeared before Judge Brett Crowley in Hamilton District Court yesterday. The public gallery was near capacity with people in support there. They were supporting Blake, who was being sentenced on 29 charges. Okay, so now we can go to the news. So we'll give that a crack again, shall we? 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Replay of this hour. Go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Russian President Vladimir Putin recently welcomed North Korean Foreign Minister Chae Son Hui at the Kremlin. This meeting followed earlier discussions between the top diplomats of both countries focused on enhancing bilateral relations and collaborative efforts. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov briefed the media on Tuesday, sharing that North Korean and Russian diplomats briefed Putin on the outcomes of their talks. These discussions built on the agreements that were reached by the heads of state in the Far East recently. Last September, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un visited Russia for nearly a week. His journey took him to Russia's Far East region by train, where he engaged with Putin, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, and other officials. During his visit, Kim had the opportunity to see Russia's nuclear-capable aircraft and hypersonic missiles. The recent talks between Russia and North Korea covered a range of areas, including culture, trade, science and more, as stated by Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Lavrov also affirmed that Moscow is committed to supporting ongoing peace and stability in Northeast Asia. It's hard to note, however, that the policy of the US and its regional satellites of creating threats to the North Korean security is far from helping to move in the positive direction. We will continue to call for abandoning any steps that lead to an escalation of tensions. Russia and Niger have reached an agreement to enhance their military collaboration and jointly address the ongoing security challenges in the West African Sahel region, which has been experiencing jihadist violence for over 10 years. This decision was announced by the Russian Defense Ministry on Tuesday following discussions in Moscow. 
The ministry statement highlighted that the talks revealed positive growth in bilateral military and military technical cooperation. It also identified potential areas for further collaboration. The statement emphasized the Russian Defense Ministry's readiness to engage constructively with its Nigerian allies to boost the combat effectiveness of Niger's armed forces. Since taking power after the removal of the pro-Western President Mohamed Bazoum in July, Niger's new government has initiated several measures to distance itself from Niamey's previous military alliances. The coup leaders have justified this shift by pointing to the Bazoum government's perceived ineffectiveness in combating Islamist terrorists in the Sahel, despite the presence of foreign forces, including French troops. In Adelaide, Australia, a fire believed to be ignited by a mobility scooter battery devastated a retirement home, leading to the death of an elderly resident. 83-year-old Trevor Fielden was discovered deceased in the Crestview Retirement Village located in Hillcrest in the northeastern part of the city. His wife, Grace Fielden, managed to escape the fire but sustained minor injuries. She was subsequently taken to the Royal Adelaide Hospital for treatment. The emergency services were alerted and arrived at the scene at 10.15 p.m. on January 15th. Upon their arrival, they found two out of the three connected units completely engulfed in flames. Fortunately, the residents of the neighboring unit were not at home during the incident. A team of 24 firefighters in the Metropolitan Fire Services battled the fire for an hour, successfully extinguishing it and preventing it from spreading to the third unit. The damage caused by the fire is estimated to be around $250,000. Tony Randello, the chief executive of Aveo, the company operating Crestview, indicated that preliminary reports from the first responders suggest the fire likely started from a mobility scooter battery that was being charged overnight. Fox News contributor Miranda Devine joined the Faulkner Focus to discuss the explosive allegations against Fulton County DA Fannie Willis. The corruption is just unbelievable and she should be taken off the case immediately. I mean, she should be prosecuted. Uh, she's been living high on the hog with the money from the government that was meant to mm. be spent on this prosecution. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. And a very good morning to you. It's five past five. Very good morning uh, to everybody right throughout the country. Well, let's look at the temperatures across the main centres first of all, shall we? Yes, let's do that. I think I've got that bedding right there. Yes, Stewart Island 12 degrees along with Invercargill. Dunedin's on 13 degrees. Timaru 12 degrees this morning. Good morning to you. Christchurch 14. Chatham Island 16 degrees. Queenstown's on 12. Over on the west coast there, 14 degrees in France Joseph and Westport is 19. Nelson even warmer, 20 degrees right now, just on 5 o'clock. Fantastic, isn't it? Uh, Blenheim, 16 degrees. Wellington, 16, along with Masterton. Uh, Napier, it's quite warm there this morning. The uh, Almost the highest temperature, but uh, been topped by, by Wangarei. Uh, 
Mount Napier about 21 degrees, Palmerston North 20 along with New Plymouth, Tarpo's on 18 along with Rotorua, uh, Gisborne has 17 degrees this morning, Tarona, as I said, 20 degrees, 19 in Hamilton, Auckland has 21 degrees and Whangarei, 21.3, just pipped out Auckland. Kaitara is sitting on 20 degrees. The lowest temperature in the country at the moment is Waitaki, and uh, Waitati, I should say, 10.1. Castle Point's the windiest, 26 kilometres of wind per hour, and Hokitika is the wettest. It's absolutely coming down there at the moment with 10 millimetres of rain falling right now. The short forecast for the Northland area and also Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty. Fine spells with isolated showers today. Uh, you've got to... Waitomo and Manawatu, including the central high country, and also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay and the Wairarapa. We've got partly cloudy weather today. Showers are going to be scattered here and there, mainly in the afternoon and evening. And then you've got some of them that could be heavy, possibly thundery inland. In Horowanua and Wellington, generally fine with you today. Good morning to David and his lovely wife and kids down there in Kapitaroa. Fine weather for you today with a few cloudy periods. Marlborough, Nelson, Buller and Westland. You've got rain with heavy falls and thunderstorms in the west. Clearing in Nelson and Marlborough in the evening. And uh, Canterbury, what have you got? Cloudy periods, scattered rain with thunderstorms possible. Uh, that's about the high country in the afternoon and evening. Otago, Southland and Fiordland, mostly cloudy with scattered rain developing this morning. Clearing this evening. Uh, finally for the Chathams, you have cloud increasing this evening and you've got a little bit of drizzle that's going to be possible for you. Oh well, those are the way. That's the way it is. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. You're listening to Grant Edwards. 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. All right, time to get out of bed. And uh, if you're having a birthday today, it's the 18th of January. Absolutely happy birthday on this day back in 1980. Montego Bay hit number one on the charts right across the country. Upper Hutt's John Stevens, he achieved back-to-back number one singles when Montego Bay bumped Jezebel. Remember that one? Ah, you don't? Oh, you must be a bit young. Uh, from the you bash them from the top of the charts anyway. Two in a row, isn't that amazing? Stevens became the pin-up boy for New Zealand pop with his double success in the summer of '79 and '80. His first single, Jezebel, reached number one in early December '79. Montego Bay, a cover by Bobby Bloom's hit from 1970, gave Stevens a rare double. It uh, topped the charts of, for seven weeks. More success followed with the release of a debut album, Jezebel, in 1990, which cemented Stevens' position in New- as New Zealand's premier solo male artist. Like many New Zealand musicians, Stevens crossed the Tasman to try his luck in Australia. In 1985, he was the founding member of the Australian rock band Noiseworks, which was pretty good, I reckon, uh, which enjoyed success uh, on the Australian charts for more Uh, before they disbanded in uh, 1992. Then he had two highly acclaimed stints playing Judas in the Australian production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Following the death of In Excess frontman Michael Hutchins, Stevens had a spell as the singer's replacement in the early uh, 2000s there. I think I might have a song from uh, John Stevens. um, Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, there we are. How about that? This is it. Number one in 1980.
Right, isn't it? John Stevens there, number one on this day in 1980, number one on New Zealand charts. Not bad. Not bad at all. 88.1 FM, the wireless New Zealand news. Oh, we will. We'd better give you some New Zealand news then, hadn't we, if that's the case? What are we up to now? It looks like it's about um, 12 minutes past. Oh, that clock really sped up now. It looks like it says 13 or 14 and it's past five here with me, but... Ah, well, we'll just have to um, grin and bear it. Well, I'll, in the break, sometime when I have a break, I hope I'll get a break soon, and uh, I'll go and see if I can fix that clock. We had the same trouble yesterday. There must be a battery issue, I think, there. That's what's happening. Simon Bridges, poor old Simon Bridges. He's in hospital after an e-scooter crash. Uh, Auckland Business Chamber of Commerce CEO Simon Bridges in the hospital after an electric scooter accident yesterday. Left him with a broken, what do you think, leg? No. Ribs, no, no, broken leg and badly grazed face. There's a photograph of them there at the front of the Otago Daily Times. You can find them at OTD. Uh, that's not over the top, but OTD. Uh, ODT, I should say. <laughs> ODT. It's very difficult words this morning. Things are getting crossed. Okay, there's been a fatal uh, crash at closed uh, highway in Tasman yesterday. A section of the main road between Wuchueka and Richmond. Uh, had been closed for several hours after the fatal crash between a car and a motorcycle near Mapua. And uh, I think that road is open now. And the man who sold bleach as a cure for COVID jailed uh, the man who seized upon the tragedy of the COVID, uh, Jovid, can we say it like that because I'm going to say the word pandemic after it. Jovid pandemic as a money-making opportunity to sell bleach as a cure for the virus. I mean, you laugh, but uh, not the first time this has happened. There's been others tried it. Uh, cure for the virus, so-called virus. 
making more than $100,000 anyway. Guess what happened to him? Sent to jail. We'll look at that story in a bit more detail a bit later on. Auckland mother pleads guilty to infanticide. The Auckland mother pleaded guilty to it uh, over the uh, death of a 15-week-old daughter two months after she was initially set to go to trial for murder. Um, And yesterday, I think we covered this, more school pupils have stood down for vaping and smoking. Vaping and smoking are bigger issues in primary schools and secondary schools in many parts of New Zealand, according to government figures that have been revealed. And I think it was through an Official Information Act request as well. Uh, Arrests after teen has killed in Auckland car shooting. Two teenagers have been arrested and charged with allegedly shooting a single gunshot through a car window in Auckland early on New Year's Day, critically injuring two teenagers. NCEA passed rates down for a third straight year. (laughs) I'm not surprised. And they're dumbed down anyway. I mean, the NCEA is much easier than Cambridge. Uh, Professional provisional results, rather. (laughs) I think I need to go back to school. Uh, Provisional results, they indicate the NCEA pass rates dropped across the board for the third consecutive year uh, uh, from last year. Uh, Three years in a row. Road user charges for electric vehicles are disappointing. The government's changes to road user charges will see some EV owners paying twice as much per kilometre as uh, as the equivalent petrol price, uh, according to a climate uh, energy expert. We might look at that one a bit later on as well. But still, it's nothing what they pay, isn't it, really? But then what, the other thing is they love the metering idea because then, then they can meter it and then they can adjust it, you see. And they hate the idea of you making your own fuel, which I'm going to do. I'll blow that. Yeah, I'll make my own. And, um, and if, look, if it all turns to custard and you can't buy parts and stuff like that, well, I'll just go back to the horse and cart. That's, that's me. I'm quite happy to be off the grid and well away from everybody. Loving it. Uh, sick, a sick prowler. <laughs> He's sick. He is, all right. Prowler filmed peeping into family window. Uh, the prowler has been creeping around the Rotorua mum's home and peering into her window for 40 minutes before she received a phone call that could have come from a horror movie. <laughs> Really? Maybe we'll look at that too. And Golras Garriman, she's charged with shoplifting. Embattled former Greens MP Golras Garriman has been charged with two counts of shoplifting. Water provider called out over sexist on... Uh, boy, I think we... Didn't we cover this yesterday? Uh, I'm pretty sure we did, but we'll, we'll do a couple more and see how we go. Uh, so there's been a sexist, they, they reckon. They've been called out over this um, comment they made on social media. Uh, it's actually an ad for that the uh, their advertising agency would have provided for them. Uh, Auckland Water Provider. Water Care is defending a social media post, encouraging women to take shorter showers. Uh, as other users call out the post for sexism. Well, no, not really. Um, you could have a cold shower. There you go. <laughs> and a lot of women need a cold shower, I would say, don't they? Probably not. No. Well, some might. But anyway, they, they are in there a lot longer. Well, that's because they've got more hair, haven't they? And I, I don't begrudge them having long showers because they've got beautiful long hair. And the Bible says, you know, hair is a woman's covering, isn't it? I think it does, isn't it? I'm sure it does. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's her her uh, crown and glory. Very important. That's why you see a lot of short haired women around. They're feminist short haired people. Uh, that's just a rebellion against the scriptures. Really, that's that's in their heart. They don't even realise they're doing it. They have no idea. They have no idea. But it is there. They're they're called the children of disobedience. Now, MP offers explanation as police visit the home. Uh, accused shop loan. No, and now we're getting down to the bottom of the barrel. So we may have to just move over to Radio New Zealand. Do a quick um, 
a quick uh, research there. I'll go to World, and we'll just go to the homepage first, and then we'll look at New Zealand news, news a little bit later. Mental health experts, they urge stronger predictions at Parliament. Mental health experts are calling for a bipartisan effort to further increase protections for MPs and workers after Green MP Golras Garriman's resignation. What a load of fooey. They're saying that she's had all this uh, sexual innuendos or whatever it is, you know, like attacks, uh, you know, sort of verbal attacks on her. I just think that's a load of nonsense. That's just the uh, green, just the leftists calling, uh, calling, you know, victim. They want to be a victim because what she's done is so shocking and she should go to prison for it. Uh, and uh, so they're just trying to should, just trying to make excuses for really, really bad, unacceptable behaviour, and not just from parliamentarians, but from anyone in this country. We don't want you. We should deport you back to Iran, where you came from, uh, you Muslim, you. <laughs> but you are, aren't you? <laughs> just stating the obvious. Um, now, how to keep your garden al- uh, alive during Wellington's water restrictions? How do you do that? Well, drip, drip, drip. That's the answer. That's what the Israelis did. You just get the drip lines, and you just have it right by the root, right, right, you know, with the foot of the tree, little plant, and just drip. And you use hardly any water, but it's just enough. It's just exactly what the plant needs, and that's how I would do it. Well, we might come back to that story and see how they do it, but I've been doing a bit of study on that, and that's how you conserve water. You have the drip lines right where the trees are, and it works a treat. Now, I can finally be free. Why an overstayer has decided to return home. A 32-year-old came to New Zealand with big dreams as a teenager, but has been hiding from authorities after losing a residential status in 2019. Indo-New Zealand, so there will be some Chinaman, I would think, and Deaf Sports struggled for recognition as New Zealand's team heads to Australian Games. The Deaf Sports New Zealand, they say that um, this week, uh, this week's Australian Deaf, uh, Deaf Games, have Deaf Kiwi athletes, uh, it gives them a chance to come together and participate as equals. Great. And um, a hit and bump former National Party leader in hospital. Oh, yes, we got that. We read about that, didn't we, in the Otago Daily Times. Well, we're over at the Radio New Zealand now, rnz.co.nz, and someone's been writing stories there. These are the top stories. Um, poor old um, Simon Bridges in hospital after being knocked off his scooter. Not sure who he was knocked off. We just fell off, got the speed wobbles. Maybe it was at the pub. I don't know. Does he drink? Who knows? It's 21 minutes past, almost. Yes, it has just gone now. 21 minutes past five. And very good morning to you too, by the way. Very good morning. I hope you're all having a wonderful morning. China's population drops for second year with the record low birth rates. Oh boy, well that's good. <laughs> I'm in deep water. A man who sold bleach as a cure for the apparently the Jovid-19 uh, apparent. He's been jailed anyway. He's one of those living men. I've never seen, I mean, I, I like the idea of it. And Richard Vobes, uh, V-O-B-E-S, if you go to his Facebook, uh, sorry, I keep saying Facebook, it's YouTube, his YouTube channel, you can catch him. He's, he's very good. Um, he's learning about it. He says, I'm just learning about all this. But it sounds all good, but I think what happens is you've really got to know your stuff when you stand there before a judge and you start um, spouting all this living man stuff uh, because they just laugh at you and then, sure enough, he's gone to jail. Keep an eye on this one. Oh, yes, we've got a tropical storm. It looms as a marine heat wave, it says here. Looms in marine uh, heat wave. Oh, better come back to that one for sure. Giant windmills, they blow hapu to the United Nations. I have no idea what that is. I don't know if I even have any interest in it. Firefighters succeeded in containing a scrub fire. Uh, they've contained this fire on a four-hectare grass of scrub 
grass and scrub uh, near Lake Benmore in the upper Waitaki area in Otago. That's been put out. Serious crash closes State Highway 60 between, oh, we've got that, Mochawaka and Richmond. Yep. Just so you might want to stay home. <laughs> I think that was last night, and I'm pretty sure it's all clear now anyway. And Nelson's Emma Turner Library has been fully reopened for the people down there in Tasman. And uh, how much road user charges will cost EV drivers? There's a story at rnz.co.nz. Uh, you can go and check that out for yourself. Owners of uh, fully electric vehicles could end up paying twice as much, which is stuff all anyway, isn't it? Twice as much per kilometre as someone with a petrol car. Oh, I don't think that would be true, unless they're really, um, you know, bashing you for, you know, for the for the, for the electricity. Be good if you just make its own electricity as it went along, wouldn't it? Well, I suppose it does, isn't it? Does it not? Yeah, that's the answer. I don't know why they have to go and charge them. Why don't they, as they're going along, they're just re- self-charging. So the wheels just become, you know, an alternator, and they just recharge. Surely someone's thought of that. Gosh, perhaps Elon Musk better get me in. Or, but I don't think they'd like that, because you can't, they can't meter it, you see. You know, that wouldn't be what they'd want. They want to be able to meter it, so they can just keep selling you electricity. That's the idea. And then, then you're fully, fully beholden to them. But there, anyway, that's what I might do. I might come up with a design. Uh, yeah, I might do that. I was going to make an e-bike. I've been on one that was 800 watts. And that thing could do 70 mile an hour, 140 kilometers per hour. And I rode that thing. And you just wheel stand, you just, you've got to be careful. I think he had the, the accelerator around the other way, you know, like a thumb thingy. Because I tell you what, it'd be pretty easy to flip it over. But I, I started off at the light. So this was back before, you know, the EV thing. This was made by um, an engineer, actually, he built his own yacht. I was up in Whangarei, and I was down at the, um, the, the port there, the basin, they call it. And this fellow had a oh, big 60-foot boat, Australian, and his wife and family. And he had a, um, he had, he'd made these e-bikes, one out of bamboo and carbon fibre. And the other one, I think, was just straight out of carbon fibre. He's very clever. He did all his own welding because uh, that's what he does. You know, he's an engineer. And, you know, I think they, he was specifically doing um, aluminium or aluminium, uh, however you want to say it. Aluminum. Uh, 25 minutes past five, and um, we were talking about um, this e-bikes, yeah, and I got on this thing, and man, I was at the lights there in Whangarei, and um, zoop, I just took off, and nothing could catch me, uh, you know, really fast off the mark. And then a fella that I was doing a property deal with, he took me for a ride in his Tesla, and it was, I think he said it cost him about 160 grand, took me for a ride, and I thought, oh yeah, electric car, anyway, so... Uh, and it can drive itself, which I was fairly impressed because he let me have a drive of it. And uh, wow, um, it did. It was along a narrow road. See, sometimes on the narrow roads, you've got to help them out a wee bit. But it was pretty good. I quite enjoyed that. And then he said, well, hey, let, me, let me show you what it can do. So he took over. And um, wow, I mean, it was like, in a, it was like being in, I'd, I'd imagine, I mean, on an aircraft, you know, you get pushed back into the seat, don't you? But this was like a jet, you know, like a fighter jet. <laughs> I just was blown away, a big smile on my face. I couldn't believe how fast it was. And I thought, oh, wow, I won't be slagging off the electric cars as far as performance goes. But it just there's no sound, though. They're going to have to have some sound. I don't know, put some, they need some pegs with, um, um, you know, a bit of cardboard on the wheels or something. So it goes clack, 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 clack. You know, you need a bit of a sound, don't you? You need something coming up through the front, too, I find, a nice V8 sound. That's why I like my V8 when I had one. I've had a few of them, but one, the first one I had, very nice. It was a um, back in two th- nine, back in the late nineties. I bought a quite a nice uh, BMW 740i, 
And if you, Mike McColl, who's my friend on Facebook too, and he's a real estate agent now, International Realty. He's a very, very good man, straight up guy. He says, Grant, take it for a run, see if you like it. You can take it home for a week. Oh, that was the worst thing he could have done. That's called the teddy bear clothes for you, for those of you who are in the know, who know about sales, the teddy bear clothes. Take the, take the teddy bear home, Mrs. Jones, and see if the child likes it. Look, if, if she don't like it, if she doesn't like it, you can bring it back. And um, I'll give you a full refund. <laughs> That's the teddy bear. Oh, no, no, no refund at all. You just basically, I'll give it to you. Take it home, see if you like it. And if you like it, come back and pay for it. And that's what Mike did with me, the teddy bear clothes. And sure enough, I, couldn't, I had to buy it. And it was fantastic. The sound of that V8, just enough, just this lovely growl uh, coming through the firewall. And I think they, they spend a lot of time working out just the right sound. And that's why electric cars really just don't cut the cheese. Do they cut the cheese? Hang on, is that the right word? Cut the mustard. <laughs> what happens when you cut the cheese? No, that's not good, is it? That's farting, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. 20, <laughs> 27 past five, and back with um, Novak Djokovic. He overcome he over overcomes the Australians, Australian and the fans at Melbourne. Ten time Australian champion Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Novak Djokovic. He is. Um, invited a heckling fan to con- to confront him face-to-face during his hard-fought second-round win against the, the local hopeful Alexel Popperin. It looks like Popperin. Yeah, there we are. So he had a bit of a, he got a bit testy there, did he? A New Year's Honours list dedicated to developing Maori opportunities in business. Well, they've got plenty of opportunities. Why should they get more opportunities than us? We're all the same. We're one people. Uh, her name is uh, Pania. Tyson Nathan has received one of the most prestigious New Zealand honours in recognition of her contribution to Māori and business. I think it's all a nonsense. Forget about that. And just we all focus on being New Zealanders. Don't you agree? Yeah, of course you do. That's why you listen to me. Otherwise you wouldn't, would you? Lose a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of women. I doubt there's many women listening. Any girls there? <laughs> Who will get a pay rise in 2024? Oh, we better, should we look at that right away? Oh, maybe not. I'll come, I'll come back over it. Prices up from the latest Global Diary trade auction. Oh, who cares about that? Uh, not too many. All the stuff about culture. I don't know, do you like culture? That, that's just code for religion, isn't it? Religion. Um, yeah, so then they're going down into, into, into international news. So, um, now, what? anything took your fancy? If there's anything there that takes your fancy and you want to know a bit more about it, you can text me through. You start pull over if you're driving. <laughs> pull over and um, stop and text me through on 021-732-423. That's 021-732-423. There we are. Now, so we've got the mental health experts urging stronger protection uh, at Parliament. Just rubbish. Just rubbish. They're defining, you know, someone, you know, disagreeing with you, having a disagreement. You know, that's violence now, according to the leftist, you know, halfwits down there in Parliament and all over the Western world. It's just nutty, really. It's all just, you know, just another attack on, um, you know, brains, really, on just common sense, an attack on common sense. We've got halfwits running the country at the moment, haven't we? We've got mental patients running the mental asylum. (laughs) <laughs> the inmates are running it. Gosh, that's what I think anyway. Yeah, but you know what, I, you know what I'm like, don't you? Yes. Now, um, I think we'll have a look at the... Um, I, I can't... I can't think what, what, what took my fancy most of all there. Uh, tropical storm. Yeah, there is going to be a tropical storm, but I don't think it's that important. Well, it might be. Next week, we could end up having a bit of a storm up, in, up the north there. 
Um, which one took your fancy? I don't know if there's anything there that takes my fancy at Radio New Zealand. Maybe I should just keep on going, just ploughing through it. China's population drops. Workers expect things to get much worse under the new government, do they? Oh, I can't imagine. I think that's rubbish. I think that's leftist propaganda put out through the Radio New Zealand. RNZ, you bunch of leftist Roman Catholics. Most of them are left-footers. I'm in deep water. A man sold bleach as a cure for COVID-19 to be sent to jail. I suppose we could find out about Roger. He looks a a nice chap. He's from Nytea. Nytea. The man who sees upon the tragedy, apparently, of the the Jovid pandemic has as a money-making opportunity by selling bleach as a cure for the so-called virus, uh, making his company more than $100,000 during the international event, has been sent to jail. I think he's from Hamilton. Today, Roger Blake, who goes by the name of Roger William Living Man, another one of those, uh, appeared before Judge Brett Crowley in Hamilton District Court. That was yesterday, actually. Uh, the public gallery was near capacity with people there in support of Blake, who was being sentenced on 29 charges. He was found guilty. Uh, he was found guilty of at the in an earlier trial. The charges related to breaches laid by MetSafe under the Medicines Act, along with others of obstructing a Ministry of Health officer. There were a few charges for making false statements about himself and his company uh, possessing advertising and selling products dubbed MMS, or Miracle Mineral Solution. <laughs> um, initially... Um, basically, uh, yeah, no, it's actually really just chlor- chlorine, chlorine dioxide, isn't it? Bleach mixed with a bit of water. Uh, he's an American, Jim Humble. No, he's not, but this fellow American, remember him, Jim hum- um, Humble? Jim Humble, he was he founded the Genesis 2 Church, uh, the Church of Health and Healing, originally funded uh, and the MSS product, they were the ones that got behind it. MSS solution has been falsely promoted, so they say, falsely, might not be though, might be just as good as the ivermectin. I mean, that could be a load of rubbish as well. I mean, that kills everything. I mean, perhaps a dose of um, watered-down janola might be just what's needed. <laughs> that would, wouldn't be good for your health, I can tell you now. There's no way, because it would kill absolutely everything and kill you eventually as well. If you had just, You'd have to get the dose right. Uh, Blake had previously been warned about promoting the product back in 2009, then again in 2010, and even in 2011, he had three cracks at it, uh, of, and he was warned each time, um, and then claimed it cured, back then he reckoned it cured cancer. However, uh, when the pandemic kicked off in February 2020, he and his, and his company began to market it as a cure for COVID-19. In court, Crown Prosecutor Paige Norland, I think it's a she, Paige, isn't it? It's a bloke. No, woman, Norlin, said that there was a degree of commerciality of his offending, explaining the company's profits shot up by 265% between December 2019 and July, mid-July 2020, and saw it bank at least $106,798.76. While she submitted, yes, she submitted the offending was not overly sophisticated. He did target vulnerable people. And it involved scaremongering to the highest degree, but like the government standing there with, <laughs> that's what they were doing, wasn't it, with their campaigns, scaremongering. So, but he, his scaremongering is nothing compared to what we've been had to put up with over the last three years, the scaremongering from the, um, the Punch and Judy show every morning, from Hipkins and um, Ardern, 
that was scaremongering. So many people were living just terrified lives having to watch that every day. I, I couldn't watch it. <laughs> it's just awful watching that horrible, those horrible people. They get uglier, I find, don't you, when they're bringing you bad news every day? I find they get uglier. Um, ugly people, even if, they're, even if they're handsome, they become ugly to me. They just look ugly. You ugly creature, you. As they, because I know that can, I, can, I don't know, it's as though I can see the evil just oozing out, even though they are beautiful looking, perhaps. Although she looked a bit gaunt at the wedding, didn't you think, over the weekend? Looked a bit gaunt. He looked great. I thought he looked very, very good. Not bad. Must have been laid off the whatever it was he was on. Uh, Blake also refused to cooperate with the pre-sentence report writer to assess electronically monitored censoring options. Here we are. So there we are. He's in jail. He's one of those living men people. Living men, and it didn't work out for him. Doesn't work out. I think you've got to know what you're doing. But Richard Vobes, he knows what he's doing, so you can find him. Richard, you can find him at um, youtube.co.nz. Well, we better better press on. There's nothing much happening there. I'll do a quick refresh before, a refresh before I leave, and we'll whip over to News Hub now. In fact, um, I'll give yourself a bit of a give. I'll give, <laughs> give you a bit of a break, and I'll give me one as well. Uh, I'll be back in a moment. This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. None of us in here are, can be considered traditional women. And back then, an average guy could get a traditional woman. And now what does he get? He gets a boss bitch, a boss babe, a girl that's been ran through. He gets an ex-hoe. He gets a born-again virgin. Like, what do this I is, get? As, as women, yeah. this is what, what do we get? We still get protection and provisioning. Are you sure? And... I, and the, yeah, the average, yeah. the average salary. I mean, okay, okay, but here's here's the know. thing: the average salary could cover an apartment, and but the thing is, like women, we want this lifestyle that's not even realistic nowadays. Mm. Like we want men that make more than we do, and we want them to pay all of the bills. But it's like we work, we all have our nails done, we have, um, we get our hair dyed, we have makeup, we have all of this stuff that costs money because we want this lifestyle. And I've had girls come on my show, and I say, would you, would you date an average guy? for companionship but you would have to go down in lifestyle and they say no we're addicted to lifestyle what would you say to feminists who are in support of trans women being able to access historically women? Oh, we'll find out about that later i don't know if i want to hear 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 her that one there we'll worry about you later love eh? yeah we'll worry about you later now what are we up to got microphone on yes and it's 20 um what are, what are we up to on time i don't know it's high fine hard to read it 537 <laughs> that's the accurate one what does that make it 37 that would be um 23 uh 20 uh 23 minutes 23 minutes to six there we are i'll have to get good at this if you want to be do this for a living I don't know if I want to do it for a living. Uh, anyway, over at News Hub, over at newshub.co.nz, Furious Mother says the child almost drowned at the water world in Tauranga. Managing director rejects claims about the lack of safety. And did we have trouble with the water at the log ride at the, the flume, the log flume ride at, um, what's that one called down in South Auckland there? Uh, Dream, not Dreamworld, that's on Gold Coast. Um, anyway, um yeah, one of those. Anyway, a Tauranga mother, she's furious after what she says was a terrifying experience at a popular local water park. But the water park's managing director is rejecting her claims about a lack of safety, saying he's investigated the matter and is confident his lifeguards did the right thing. Jenna Thompson, Thompson with an S-E-N on the end, said that uh, she took her uh, excited, <laughs> well, there we are, excited, what's he on? Excited, um, aged nine and... 
excited. Is that the right word? Her excited children. Oh, I suppose so. Aged 9 to 11. Calm them down. Give them some phenobub. Phenobub. <laughs> What's another one they give kids? Yeah. Um, those terrible drugs that doctors prescribe for your children to calm, make them dopey. Um, Fenigan, is it? Or something like that, I think. Aged, anyway, they're excited children, overly excited, obviously. Uh, aged 9 to 11 and 13 to Waterworld on the Strand. That was on Tuesday, so just the day before yesterday. However, she said the day quickly turned into a nightmare after a current swept her youngest child underneath a large inflatable platform. Well, it might be for the big kids, anyway. So she took to Facebook, oh gosh, yes they do, took to Facebook, warned the parents and families uh, of what she'd experienced. She said, this place is a death trap waiting to happen. Happen. I'm a stronger uh, woman, are you? I'm a stronger woman and, uh, and uh, a good swimmer and I struggled and I'd hate to think what might happen if I wasn't. Very scary experience, she wrote. She told NewsHub she was appalled and shocked that what she said was a lack of safety. We booked online, and when we got there, there were about four workers in the tent. All right, it's got a tent. Uh, they gave us the life jackets and told me I had to be at arm's length of my youngest. Okay. However, no one mentioned anything about the current of the tide. Well, you can just use your common sense, love. It's what you do. Karen, there she is there with her sport little brats. Where's the husband? Is he working? She got one, probably not. But oh God, drive me nuts. I mean, the Bible says that a woman, a nagging woman, is worse than a dripping roof. <laughs> Better to live in a house with a dripping roof than living with a nagging woman. I wonder if she's a nagging woman. Um, it's hard to tell by the photos. Kids look a bit spoilt, though. Look like mummy's boys. Anyway, so that's her there. She's all upset about the water ride. Never mind. You'll be right there. Just use your common sense. You can't be reliant. See, we can't be relying on other people all the time. I know they open it up and they're supposed to have safety and all that sort of stuff, but it's, we make the final decisions, personal responsibility. You think, hang on, I'm just going to go and have a look at this, test this, look and have a look and see, see what other people are doing. Then, before you just dive in like an idiot and then end up taking to Facebook to complain about your um, terrible experience because you didn't use your noggin. So that happens. Anyway, Seymour, he rejects claims that the government is trying to destroy Maori. Act leader David Seymour, he rejects these claims. And they've got a video, but look, they've got a 13-second ad right up front. And then they've got, ah, oh, it's just, and then, then, and the sound is terrible. You know, it's just not, not loud enough, so I'll have to slug through it, I suppose. Uh, Wanganui Iwi uh, leader says that the new government wants to destroy Maori, but Act leader David Seymour, he rejects that assertion on, he rejected it yesterday. Ken Nair, I think that's how you say his name. Nair, he's the chairman of several Wanganui Iwi's uh, entities. He told News Hub that the government's policies and actions are a clear attack upon many aspirations and many things that were fought for over decades. What a load of fooey. You, know, you just want to be the victim. And you've got to get rid of that victimhood. Uh, you know, you Maoris that are doing that, it's no good for you young people coming through. You know, they're, they're smarter, if not smarter than any, any European or British kid. So just encourage them to get into it. And they've got, it's got to be um, on merit. Um, you can't you can't just be giving people opportunities. They have to earn it, and so yeah, so that's what's got to happen. Anyway, so he he's just one of the, another victim fellow there. I, we can't be bothered, can we? No, 
can't be bothered. Um, we're looking at 18 minutes to 6-2, by the way. So we've got the death trap there, apparently, according to some woman. And then we've got a, a victim uh, hood, victim sort of a, a Maori trying to, you know, brainwashing other Maoris to um, imagine that they're victims. And then we've got theme parks, uh, thrill seekers, uh, undeterred by the log ride tip at Rainbow's End. That was one I was trying to remember. And in Australia, a fisherman is accused of keeping deckhands as slaves. <laughs> oh, wow. We might come back to that one. Okay. Now, goal is, um, yeah, goal is Garama. They've got a, they've got an update on that. So we will just, we'll see if, see if we can play. Here we go. This is the update. Mike Roberts reports. He's fairly good. Is he good? I don't know. Samantha Hayes. I don't know if they're any good. Oh, no. There's an ad. No, we're not going to do that. You see the genuine connection that Mike and I have. That's a really special one. Oh, no. That's their ad. Oh, no. No, we're not watching that. Now, charges have been laid against the former Green MP, Golras Garriman, over shoplifting allegations. Police confirmed that yesterday afternoon. Uh, Police can advise, uh, quite apparently. I've got a frog here. I got you now. Uh, they, can, they can advise charges have been laid as part of an investigation into shoplifting reports that are subject to ongoing public interest, according to a spokesman. Uh, these charges relate to incidents at a Ponsonby retailer, we know who that is, uh, that allegedly occurred on December the 21st and the 23rd, so she came back for another go. Police said the 43-year-old woman, which is Golra's Garama, she had been charged with two counts of shoplifting and is due to appear in the Auckland District Court on February 1st. They're going to, they're going to put her away. They should take her, hold her in custody in case she takes off back to Iran, which would be a good thing. <laughs> It'd be a good thing. Go back to Iran. Go back to the country you came from. Deport the criminals. I think all, all people that come here as um, refugees or, you know, immigrants, and they break the law, we ship them right back to where they came from. That's what Rob Muldoon said. Remember Rob Muldoon? Some of you, you should you should remember Rob Muldoon. He was very good Prime Minister. Probably, I think Muldoon may have been uh, the best Prime Minister that we ever had in New Zealand, in actual fact. Uh, this is what he sounded like. And at least 12 armed with ballistic missiles. That statement is absolutely correct. Indeed, Prime Minister. Just a moment, let me answer, please. Prime Minister, this is not not a statement that I was questioning you about. With respect, Prime Minister, this is not the statement that I was questioning you about. I would like to put one last point to you. With equal respect, you are not asking me the questions that you were kind enough to put to me so that I could get technical advice on. Prime Minister, do you not uh, believe that you should be able to answer points that you have made in the past? The producer of this program told me today that he would give me the questions that would be asked so that I could confer with defence intelligence sources and give correct answers for the benefit of the people of this country. Prime Minister, I will not not have some smart Alec interviewer (laughs) changing the rules of the game halfway through, Mr Walker. And that was what Rob Muldoon was like. Now, he said, ship them all back to the islands. We had... We had quite a few islanders breaking the law, getting pissed and, you know, bashing people up. They love going for a fight. So it's a fight on Friday and Saturday night, and then it's church on Sunday. (laughs) That's how it worked for them. And he said, I'm just going to deport them all. And so he was very strong, probably. And I I, I actually think he was the best prime minister New Zealand ever had. So that's what they should do with Garriman. Deport her. Yes, after they've charged her. Find her, find the backside offer, and um, but not say it like that. Because I might get head up for a, a sexual, a sexual whatever. Uh, I've been nowhere near. Would I be interested? Um, Garriman, she resigned from Parliament with the immediate effect on Tuesday, saying in a statement, "It's clear to me that my I oh, don't blame mental health. You silly cow. You're a blimmin' robber. You're a criminal, and you need to go to court 
and then you need to be not only fined, but you need to spend some time in a penitentiary uh, for for your terrible behaviour. And it's worse. It should. It's actually worse for you. The crime should be. You should be. They should come down harder on you than they come down on the average citizen because you are held in a high position. And don't you dare use this mental health bullshit with us because we don't buy it. None of us do. Not really. Not thinking, but only, only half-wits, only people that are mentally deranged themselves, mostly leftists, uh, in my opinion, leftist people that have been indoctrinated by other leftists at school. That's why we don't want our kids at school. <laughs> That's why we get them out, because they've been indoctrinated by communist, Marxist, leftist thinking. And it's the and victim thinking. You're not a victim. There's... And your mental health is just rubbish. And if you've got mental health problems, what are you doing in our um, parliament? In our House of Parliament? Shouldn't be there. We don't want you because you're just not well. If you're not well, shouldn't be there. And I hear you've got, well, you said you've got something else as well. And Well, you shouldn't be in that position. Perhaps you should think about you know, a different career path. A career adjustment, I think, would be in order. But I think right now, when you're found guilty, uh, which you will be, I think, by the sounds of it, uh, you need to spend some time in jail for what you've done because we need to be harder on people like you who are in positions of authority over us. And I, I tell you what, I'll be really pissed off and a lot of others will be too if they don't come down hard on you. But as usual, A, you're a female, B, you're a Muslim, uh, C, you're a, you're a refugee, and, and, and uh, D, you're a, you're a green. <laughs> the media are going easy on you. They really are. They're, they're really giving you a glowing... Uh, report really aren't they you know what you've done is so shocking and so bad and hang your head in shame you silly cow how dare you come to our country as a refugee and steal from us how dare you who do you think you are he's got to be scared he's a human being he's a man he's 77 and the power of the federal government, the full power of the federal government has been unleashed against him. A rogue Justice Department is a terrifying thing. And they are, make no mistake about it, out to get him. This guy, Jack Smith, is practically frothing at the mouth to put him behind bars and has the power to do it and is no dope. While that Mar-a-Lago case is going to go before a more Trump-friendly jury down in Florida. This one's not. And it's why he had to bring it. He knows what I know, which is the likelihood is that Mar-a-Lago case is going to get delayed beyond November 2024. It was set for May. It's going to get kicked. All Trump has to do is file enough motion practice to get a kick to, the, say, the summer of 2024. And then he looks at the judge, who is a, a Trump appointee, and says, we're too close to the election. You cannot do this. There we are, Megan Kelly. Now, um, someone just said, um, not loud enough. Okay, so I'll crank it up a bit. There we are. Is that better? There we are. I think it is. Sorry about that. Yeah, I did. I bumped it somehow. Not enough gain. I might give myself a bit of gain as well. There we are. Ooh, that's good, eh? Hey? There we are. You can hear me now. Okay. Now, we are, well, I don't know where we are. The Goldritz. No, don't even read anymore that, Grant. It just makes my blood boil. Makes me angry. Makes me angry that, you know, the leftists are all out in support of her. And also the media, they're all leftists as well. I mean, I know I've been involved in the media and they're definitely all leftist bunch of dorks. And if you don't say the right, if you don't say what you're supposed to say, 
you come up with a story that's different to the group think of the leftists, uh, you're out, man. You don't get invited to the parties. You get a, they'll give you a bad job reporting on, on um, I don't know, reporting somewhere <laughs> about worms or something. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's just not what you want. You don't want to be doing. You've got to you do the group things. That's why you're best out. That's why, you know, if you've got any brains, you get out. You get into public relations or something like that. Or you go and do what Barry Coleman did and you start yourself a magazine, uh, publications, and that's what he did. He got out. Because I don't think he is a leftist. I think um, he is a um, conservative. Uh, yes, a right-thinking right thinking conservative. Now, uh, the new stories coming from, I don't know, I'm a bit bored this morning. Uh, aren't you? I'm a bit bored. Red New Zealand. Oh, yeah, oh, there is a new one. Here, here's a new story. Uh, Chris Lux and Nassel expected to uh, instill need for discipline at caucus retreat, apparently. The National Party will focus on because they've had some problems over the years, haven't they? They're going to focus on it's the first-time MPs who make up more than a third of its caucus. So, yes, there was some people that got into trouble. We might cover that story a little bit later on. Uh, Christopher Luxon's meeting with um, King Tui, Tui Tita, uh, whatever, I'm not quite sure how he pronounces one. Uh, that's before the hui. I'm not sure when the hui is. They're going to have a bit of a hui. Now, um, let's go to the Centrist. They just sent me an email late last night, and they've got the latest story. Oh, NZ News Essentials, I said, Shane. I think they're two. They're one and the same, NZ News Essentials. And the centrist, you can find them at nznewsofcentrals.com or centrist.co.nz. Now, fact check 2.0, excess deaths part two. Excess deaths in children and working age adults reported internationally, although not in New Zealand, <laughs> uh, uh, rising insurance claims are occurring o overseas despite a declining Jovid deaths. Uh, Jackson supporters mention disease, lifestyle, care reduction, but skeptics aren't sure. Skeptics point to the timing of excess deaths and vaccine rollouts. Research on post-viral complications in Jovid survivors is needed, they say. That's just a quick read there, and you can go over to nznewsessentials.com and get the, the whole story there for yourself. Uh, will removal of the clean car discount by this new government really result in carnage? Lou Wickham, representing Emissions Impossible, is urging reconsideration of the clean car discount. She references research asserting vehicle emissions in New Zealand cause thousands of deaths, hospitalizations, and billions in other costs yearly. Our opinion is these cited figures are unknowable, wild guesses, and ridiculously high. The treaty game, or the treaty genie, it's out of the bottle. After the government's coalition deal to review the treaty principles, protests uh, and acts of vandalism have been occurred. The Maori Party endorses some of these actions. Left-wing media focus on specific uh, incidents, but generally ignore extremism among the co-governance advocates. New Zealand needs a modern government, government framework to avoid uh, racial disharmony while acknowledging changes in society over the last two centuries. I think that's right. The DEI debate, uh, Musk, Cuban, and the common problem of what they uh, really are saying. Elon Musk and Mark Cuban's diversity, equ equity, and inclusion, that's the DEI debate, shows how slogans can have a range of meanings. DEI 
can be just um, colorblind common sense business practices to ensure that there is no discrimination. But once you get the experts in and you find that DEI label has been used as a Trojan horse for something more radical than you expected, that would be a good read, I think. So those are just the few top ones that they send me, sent me those last night. Now, do I have anything from the New Zealand Herald? I think they normally send me uh, an email as well. Yes, they do. And here we are. These are the top stories as of last night. New Zealand is killing us. Uh, US tourists, they want out after vandals smashed their RV. And I'm looking at a photograph of a Delta. And it is all smashed up. And they're a bit upset about being here in New Zealand. And they thought that they were embarking on a trip of a lifetime. But they were sorely mistaken. So they're on their way home. Can't wait to get home. And we need to keep an eye on this uh, This one. This is a tropical storm. It's looming in maritime uh, heat wave, they call it. The Southwest Pacific's first tropical storm or tropical cyclone of 2024 could form by early next week. So that would be one we need to watch out for and prepare for. Uh, Real life Gone Girl mystery. A shocking true story behind Netflix kidnap case. Uh, police didn't believe Denise's boyfriend after she went missing, then the truth came out. Oh, well, we might have a look at that a little bit later on as well. Extraordinary event, Rainbow's End closes after the ride, the log flips. Yeah, that's really exciting, isn't it? And to recap, Black Caps blows away Pakistan after Alan's fireworks. All the action from the third uh, T20, that's what, the 2020, the third 20, I think it's T20 is what they mean. They've they've written 20, and then the the letters 20 are the, the numerical... Both. Um, that's against... Uh, you've lost the sense of it now, Grant. Oh, I have. Uh, all the action from the third T20 against Pakistan and Dunedin. Billionaire Richard Branson's cruise ship spotted in Wellington Harbour. It looks like... Oh, it looks like a barge. <laughs> the adults-only cruise hasn't all been smooth sailing. I wonder what that's about. Oh, go on, click on it. All right. Yeah, it got my interest. Just looks like a barge to me. Where's the photo? Oh, no, it's, it looks like a barge from a distance. Oh, no, it's a flash. It looks like an apartment building on floating in. Gosh, look at that. Billionaire Richard Branson's cruise ship is sailing into Wellington Harbour. It must have sailed in yesterday after a rough day at Napier. Resilient Lady is um, what he's called her. Resilient Lady. Something's happened to my headphones. Um, or my earpiece. I wear earpiece now. It's much more comfortable. Um, it's a 2,700-passenger adult-only cruise ship. Oh, that's a bit dodgy. It's like Richard Branson would be like um, Epstein Island, is it? <laughs> Yuck. Oh, it doesn't sound like adults only. I don't like that. If, if, you, if, you, if you can't do things in front of your kids, you shouldn't be doing them at all, I reckon. Uh, adults-only cruise ship was spotted in the harbour. That was yesterday morning sailing towards the capital. And uh, the ship left um, Napier. I'll just check out this head, this little earpiece. It's a pain in the butt. Feels like my ears are blocked. Oh, I suppose they are. You've got an earpiece in there, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, the ship left Napier early in the week after its stop-off was blighted by power outages in Napier CBD caused by a cable fault, probably because the ship drained everything. <laughs> Charging it up. Did they plug it in? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. It'd need to power itself, wouldn't it? Self-supporting. More than 200 properties were affected by the power outage. Virgin Voyages. Oh, gosh, he's into it. He loves that virgin word, doesn't he? Virgin Records. Virgin Airlines. Virgin Virgin Galactic. Virgin Voyages now, which runs the Resilient Lady as the sister ship of Brilliant Lady. 
and it's struggled with the delays and cancellations to sailings in both uh, of both ships, citing international issues. Of course, he didn't say international, did he? No, and this is what it is. Uh, the, the newest ship, Brilliant Lady, a new one. That was due to sail to uh, from Miami on her maiden voyage in December last year, but cancelled its sailings, saying that the launch had run into unexpected issues in staffing and building. Despite careful planning, Virgin Voyages is facing unexpected construction, supply chain and staffing challenges that have delayed the production of Brilliant Lady. Virgin Voyages wants to make sure that when the ship launches, it can deliver the standards its sailors have come to expect from an award-winning brand like Virgin Voyages. (laughs) Uh, The cruise ship line said it would offer any affected guest between $500 and $1,000. Is that New Zealand? Is that in Pacific pesos, or is that in key, in um, American dollars? I don't know. I do not know. And they're going to get, oh, no, they get onboard credit, so they have to spend it at the bar. <laughs> or, um, if not at the bar, spend it on the gambling. I'm sure they'll have all that, won't they? And goodness knows what else they have. It's adults only. I don't know. Maybe they just don't want kids running around, you know, paying the neck, aren't they? Blooming kids. It's only a pain in the neck because adults don't um, discipline them. They don't look after them properly and don't teach them properly. They're running around in front of adults. And older people don't like it when their kids are running around because they're frightened they're going to trip over the little blighters. And um, no, you've got to make, don't let your kids run around. It's good for them too. And you know when they're fidgeting, just get them to clasp their fingers together. And, and, and so you've got to keep your fingers together, you know. They bring the hands together, just dovetailed in, just keep them like that, and um, make make them do that. And you know what it does? It just calms them down, gives them something to think about, something to do, because it's quite difficult to sit still. The ones that are you know fidgety, got some fighter stance, those sort, that fixes that one pretty quick. Uh, now, where are we now? We are um, over, um, I don't know where I am. Where are you, Grant? Oh, we're at News Hub, weren't we? So we had the death trap waiting to happen. That was the furious mother. They're all furious. Um, they see more. He rejects the claims, of course, about the Maori, you know, whatever co-governance. He wants to get rid of that. He wants a vote, and I think we should have a vote. The Maoris know that it's going to be all. Everybody knows that if we have a vote, that'll be the end of it. Um, seriously, serious consequences. Fear. This is uh, in Pakistan. Actually, we'll go and have a look at some other news, shall we? I feel like going to international news. There's absolutely nothing going on here this morning. We could have a quick look at Aussie news. They're always good, aren't they? They've always dish up something good. They've got a big photograph of tomatoes here. Jeff Kennett, he takes a swipe at National Supermarket Stunt. Uh, Nationals leader David Littleproud, <laughs> Littleproud, that's a good name, has demanded greater scrutiny on alleged supermarket price gouging. But former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett has slammed the party's call for a crackdown as a political stunt. Uh, Ronan Dennis, oh, he's the one that ran over his wife, isn't he? Suspected of, anyway running her over. They're both the cyclists. Uh, Roman Dennis makes a surprise appearance at his own wife's funeral. Uh, he made the shock appearance at the funeral of his wife. She was a decorated cyclist, Melissa Hoskins, weeks after being charged over her death. I'm surprised that he turned up at that. And a scandal hit ABC correspondent Bax presenter, who was sacked over anti-Israel posts. That's, you know, anti-Joe posts, anti-Jew Anti-Jew posts, they're just Jew-hating people. 
you know, they all say, oh, no, it's not that, it's over against Israel. No, 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 you hate Jews. It's, it's deep within you. There's something de- desperately wrong with you. I think it's something spiritually wrong with people that hate the Jews. If it was any other uh, nationality, any other country in the world that were defending themselves against Islamic terror or any form of terror, you'd be supporting them. You'd be over there wanting to fight for them. And, and I know some good people here in this country that would go to Israel and help fight, help keep them safe. And they're good people. ABCs, that's the abc.news.net, I think it is, .au, something like that. ABC's divisive Middle East correspondent, Tom Joyner. He was thrown a support behind radio presenter Antoinette Latoff by expressing his solidarity. That's another communist word, isn't it? They use that, a solidarity. Uh, you never, we never heard words like solidarity until the communists started to take over our country about 40 years ago. Might have even been earlier. I don't know, we should have kept them out. They had full full control of our government in the last term. For six years, we had communists running our country. We failed our IQ test. <laughs> Unbelievable. It must be time to play the... Um, oh, it, it is. And she was a communist. Let's whip across and see if I can find... Let's, um, let, me, let me find this one. Uh, now, I have to type the word intro in because... And then I'll probably find it. Yes, now there we are. So this is what we had to put up with. Just listen to this. How did we, on earth, did we not realised we were making a massive mistake voting for this little socialist, which is a little bloody commie. Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No, no. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the socialist community. Oh, yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. comrade. That was in 2009. Oh, well, I can't remember which country it was in. Has changed since those days? No, not particularly. No. If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally misleading the New Zealand public, how would you expect to be held to account? believe that it is possible to exist in politics without lying. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Sustained propaganda. There we are. So what were we thinking? You know, voting for the silly cow. This this woman that ended up having a nervous breakdown in the end, that's why she, that's why she uh, you know, threw in the towel. And you, you say, oh, she didn't have a nervous breakdown. Well, she admitted she had burnout. And that's just code for, you know, that's just code, female code, <laughs> for a nervous breakdown. And she's suffered from mental health most of her adult life, along with Kerry Allen. And now this new one, too, Gaulas Garima. She's a nutcase as well. So why is it the left, leftist women are nuts, aren't they? They're actually sort of screwy. <laughs> you know, there's not so many conservative women that are screwy. They're pretty clever. They're pretty onto it. And you wouldn't hear them moaning and groaning about, you know, sexual whatever. What is, it's some sort of a sexual thing. So apparently she's crying out that, you know, she's under all this pressure. People have been threatening her. I just think that's bullshit. I think that that's all just made up. Uh, people like Nicola Willis, they would, you know, wouldn't hear, wouldn't hear that sort of thing coming out of their mouth. They are just tough. They just get on with the job. I think she could end up being prime minister, actually, Nicola Willis. I think she's, um, she's pretty good. Not bad for a woman. Now, over in Australia, a uh, frightening siege in southwest Sydney suburb causes residents to evacuate. After a high-speed police pursuit and all-out siege at a home in the southwest Sydney suburb has ended with the arrest of a 25-year-old man 
And more news in Australia. Activists try to drown out the Prime Minister during the Hobart press conference. Anthony Albanese struggled to cut through noise generated by the chants from activists protesting the Tasmanian salmon, uh, salmon farming industry who attempted to derail the Prime Minister's press conference on Wednesday. Well, if it's coming from the salmon farmers and they're upset, I think that's good. Usually it's the leftists that drown you out, but there we are. Good old you salmon farmers. Give them what oh, that's what I say. Now... Speaking more on over in Australia, we're at skynews.com.au. Uh, Aussies to wait a little longer for interest rates pres- uh, reprieve. So the Aussies may have to wait until the end of the year for interest rate reprieve through, although they, they may be saved another rate hike in February, so that would be good. China says Pacific doesn't uh, need to choose between Beijing and Canberra. China has claimed the Pacific Island nations do not need to choose between Beijing and Canberra. Of course, Beijing is the capital of uh, China, China, and Canberra is the capital of Australia, uh, noting that the two countries can, co- countries can cooperate in, region, in the region despite their differences. Now, what else have we got here? Anything from space? No, we've got... Oh, they're actually, actually live right now. So if you've got that, um, that streaming app, for a sky, you can actually watch right now because it looks as though uh, she's in Australia. Uh, the Australian um, Minister of um, what is she? She's Foreign Minister. Foreign Minister. Yeah, she's visiting Australia. She won't go down to the south. Penny Wong, that's her name. So that's actually live right now, and she's meeting with the families of some of the hostages uh, that were taken on October the seventh. Uh, prospect of uh, Labour coalition with the Greens or Teals at next election is terrifying, apparently. Uh, Let's go over to Sky News, and we'll have it from the horse's mouth uh, in just a jiffy. The terrifying prospect that the next federal election that can be held any time after August this year, but more likely will be held in early 2025, could result in a minority Labor government. Now, given the Albanese government currently has 77 seats in the House of Reps, only holds a one-seat majority, that result, a hung parliament or a minority government, is entirely possible. And with a by-election due within weeks in the Melbourne seat of Dunkley, Labor, if it loses that by-election, would be down to the bare minimum of 76 seats in the House of Reps. So why would a minority Labor government be a disaster, in my view, for our country? In a word, the Teals. The climate change-obsessed so-called independents who make up a large slab of the 18 crossbenchers currently sitting in the lower house. Now, if those inner-city climate preachers hang on to the seats they snatched off the Liberals last time and Labor dips below the 76 seats needed to govern in their own right, it would be horse-trading time. Albanese, like Julia Gillard before him, would have to convince a number of those 18 to support his government. Now, Julia Gillard had to do a deal with Tony Windsor, Bob Catter and Rob Oakeshott. It took weeks, not days, and it left the nation rudderless. It was dreadful. But I fear dealing with the Teals would be a whole lot more difficult. Some of them showed their uh, hand today, according to a report in the Australian newspaper. Now, representing voters in some of the most affluent seats in the country, think about Bellevue Hill, Point Piper, Hawthorne, Kew, Brighton in Melbourne... The Teals are calling for Australia to set a target of emission reduction of 75%, 75% by 2035. That's 11 years away. It's not far. They want 50 or 60% reduction by 2030 or six years from now. 
Now, the current government has a legislated target of 43% by that date. Now, that's going to be hard enough to get to. But just think what would have to happen to reach these unachievable targets. What would we have to do to our economy, our mining industry, let alone agriculture? I mean, teals like Monique Ryan in Kooyong, Kylie Tink in North Sydney, Allegra Spender in Sydney's eastern suburbs and Zali Stegel on Sydney's northern beaches all believe that if they want to get elected again, they have to shout about global warming and climate change. Now, let's hope, though, that the voters that threw out politicians with world experience, like Josh Frydenberg and Tony Abbott, wake up to the fact that these economy-destroying, feel-good ambitions from the Teals is just going to make life tougher for ordinary Australians like you and me. The massive cost to rebound our energy transmission system in just six years will drive energy costs through the roof, not the other way around. Manly and Kew won't be carpet-bombed with tens of thousands of acres of wind turbines and solar panels to produce renewable energy. Nope, that'll be in regional and rural Australia, out of sight, out of mind. Now, to get these targets in that time frame would require cuts in cattle production. Petrol and diesel cars and trucks would have to be slashed and replaced by EVs. Air travel prices would soar because we would have to cut the number of flights to reduce emissions from aircraft. And Teals don't talk about such inconvenient truths. Stegel today uh, said, quote, Australia needs to increase its ambitions. It's time to take the lead on the national front. Spender in Ritzy Double Bay says, quote, voters want real climate action, not another decade of of delay. So this is where we are headed to the doomsday result of a wounded MP, Anthony Albanese, needing to horse trade with these climate change evangelists and being forced to promise unachievable targets that would only crucify the Australian economy. As poorly as this current government is travelling, and polling suggests they might even lose an election, it would be much better for all of us that one side or the other, Labor or the Coalition, win in their own right. A Labor-Teal or Labor-Green Coalition would be a nightmare for us all. There we are. That is the Sky News uh, host and correspondent, Steve Price. He speaks out about the terrifying prospect, isn't it, of the next federal election could result in a minority Labour government. Oh, dear. Now, Megan Markle, she's in the news as well, and apparently she wanted to get her own back on the Queen. Didn't like the Queen? We've got a story from Paul Murray here. Uh, so we'll hear it from the horse's mouth. This is Paul Murray. It's been too long, so Let's get straight to what's been happening in the House of Windsor, both current and former, and so much more. The lady who knows more about the royals than anyone even in the royal family. Well, that's the some somewhat of a big introduction, but there we go. Angela Levin, she literally wrote the book about Camilla, and she's got plenty to say about Harry as well. Lovely to see you, mate. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. I'm really pleased to see you again. And you, you look wonderful as always. Now, I was uh, quite stunned to see that yet another book is starting to tell us what some of the insights were about uh, the late Queen Elizabeth II, including that she was particularly put out by the decision of Harry and Meghan to name one of their daughters Lilibet, which of course was her nickname. Yeah. Well, the the author of the book is Robert Hardman, and he's a terrifically good 
um, writer, journalist, and um, has got in very politely with the royal family. It's absolutely riveting. It comes out um, on Thursday in the UK, but it's it's really riveting. And this uh, thing about Lilibet is very interesting. I, at the beginning, thought that it was a terrible thing to do, to take a very private um, name and, and use it. Um, because it was um, Queen Elizabeth, the late Queen Elizabeth, she couldn't say Elizabeth, so she could say Lilibet. So that's what she said about herself. So her parents called her that. And then um, the, the Duke of Edinburgh, her much-loved husband, called her that. And it was a very endearment word and very um, private and uh, couldn't believe that Harry and Meghan said she was gave for them the go-ahead and it would be all right, partly because Meghan had already put the name down of Lilibet Diana on a, a domain on the internet, and that meant quite obviously that in the future she would want to use that name to buy things, to promote programs and all those things. And it would inevitably draw the Queen into. Oh, shoot. Sorry, I did something wrong. Back that, that. Yeah. which I thought was beyond rude. So this um, aid and you one must remember that Robert does not just shove things down. He's well in with everybody there, knows what he's saying, that the Queen was upset. And she said that um, I don't have palaces and I don't have paintings and now I don't have my name. Hmm. And one of the aides said that she has never seen the Queen in all her many years being so angry. Um, and I think people have said, oh, well, you know, Meghan wanted to be friendly. I think quite the opposite. I think she wanted to get her own back. And I think this was number two, which followed that incredibly phony, exaggerated curtsy that she did on Netflix um, when they did a six-hour boring moan about their lot um, and um, I think that it was something she wants to get her own back and she wants to be nasty because she does still feel, she keeps on about feeling that she wasn't treated in the way she wanted to be. The way she wanted to be was queen because she doesn't like being second, third, fourth, and certainly not sixth in line for anything. And um, it, it just, um, it's just awful. So now they're furious apparently absolutely furious so that's quite good <laughs> well, well correct and good good on someone being able to put you know i mean obviously the queen's not going to come out and say it somebody who's got uh, the information uh if you trust them i trust them that, uh, that this is what was being said but it is also the insight too about the the private versus the absolutely intimately private and how Megan neither didn't know the difference or didn't care. And that's somebody who uh, rolled into a family uh, as opposed to uh, was respectful of the family that was there before she turned up. Yes, that's true. I mean, I do know that it was very, very difficult for her to change countries, to live in a family that was unknown anywhere else in the world and to fit in. But 
you know, a lot of people were trying to help her. Um, the now Queen Camilla tried to help her. She wasn't interested. And the now Duchess of Edinburgh also tried. She wasn't interested. Harry told me when I did his biography that he was trying to tell her as much as possible about what is okay and what isn't. But she didn't really want to know. I mean, my, my view really, in a way, is that Omid Scobie, who's written the two awful books where they've slated the royal family, is um, talking on their behalf, and that Robert Hardman is talking on the more dignified half of the royal family because they have obviously kept quiet all the time. They don't feel it's appropriate for them to say things about it and get involved in an argument. So it's been passed on to him, and I think this is what he's doing. They're fed up with them going on and on and on and being um, really unpleasant. So they're actually showing what is perhaps true and what isn't. But what is nice to see is that the name Elizabeth, the far more uh, publicly known uh, way of referring to the late Queen, is now being spread amongst the family as, uh, as an important middle name. Yes, nearly all the children have, have got that as a middle name. Um, uh, Harry and Meghan's daughter has got Diana as a middle name. I mean, you don't have Lily, but Elizabeth, that would have been ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, that would have been really ridiculous. Yes. So the, the memory carries on. And I know that all of the um, William and Harry as well, they keep lots of um, photos or pictures of her on the wall and so they can point and say who she is but she can't be forgotten she's the most she was the most extraordinary woman and her legacy is passing on through king charles because he is following a lot of her ways and he's also very spiritual and he also um is is very kind and works very hard his whole life has been devoted to becoming king. He won't stand down just because a few people say, well, we'd rather have a young man, um, Prince Ed, uh, William. Um, he, will, he will stay there as long as he possibly can. Well, there we are. I thought that was quite good. She is um, Angela Levin, her name is, so she's obviously Jewish. Levin is a, a Jewish name, uh, Jewish family. Angela Levin, she's the royal... Whoop, hang on, they're going to start but what is nice a new one now. Yes, they're going to be talking about the king, I think, aren't they? Yes, Prince Harry's moaning. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover that as well. She is um, Angela Vinci, she's the royal biographer, and she's also the com a commentator as well. And uh, also, uh, we are going to hear from her again, Angela Vin. Uh She says that King Charles is getting tired of Prince Harry's moaning. So here she is uh, with our same host. To see is that the name Elizabeth, the far more uh, publicly known uh, way of referring to the late Queen, is now being spread amongst the family as a bit uh, of a repeat there on that last bit, but that she goes into a wee bit more. Yes, nearly all the children have, have got that as a middle name. Um, uh, Harry and Meghan's daughter has got Diana as a middle name. I'll have to say that actually that happens in our family as well. We're not royal. Well, I think we are. But um, both my children have uh, a special name uh, that um, comes from our forebears. 
and so they have it, both uh, the, my son and my daughter. So we'll get back to that story, shall we? Look at that. Yeah. I mean, you don't have Lily, but Elizabeth, that would have been ridiculous. That <laughs> so, um, would have been really ridiculous. Yes, so the, the memory carries on, and I know that all of the um, William and Harry as well, they keep lots of um, photos or pictures of her on the wall, and so they can point and say who she is. But she can't be forgotten. She's the most, she was the most extraordinary woman. And her legacy is passing on through King Charles because he is following a lot of her ways and he's also very spiritual and he also... Um, is is very kind and works very hard. His whole life has been devoted to becoming king. He won't stand down just because a few people say, well, we'd rather have a young man, um, Prince Ed, uh, William. Um, he, will, he will stay there as long as he possibly can. And uh, the book also apparently gives us some insight about uh, the frustrations that King Charles has had with Harry. Uh, what are we learning about that? Yeah, well, this is very interesting. One of them is when the Queen became very ill. I mean, we, the family knew that she had uh, cancer and that she was getting more and more frail. And, um, but they thought it would be, you know, weeks uh, rather than days. And it all happened very suddenly. Um, in, in fact, it was very gentle. The aide who was with her, um, but obviously not in the bedroom, but knew what was going on. Princess Anne was with her, and by chance she was there. But it was very peaceful. She fell asleep and there was no pain. And so it was a very, very gentle death. But it meant that they hadn't realised that how serious it was. And King Charles had to zoom over by helicopter. Um, he had spent um, quite a long time with her a couple of days before with Camilla. So that was comforting. But he, he missed her actually dying, which he'd wanted to be. Um, William was whizzing over there. Catherine, um, it was their three children's first day at a new school. And she had a, decided that she must be there. She's the mother. I mean, she's a very hardworking mother as well as a wonderful princess and um, so William uh, flew off now Harry started an argument that he wanted to bring Meghan to the deathbed and you know she might have a wire inside her or something like that but as Catherine wasn't coming they felt it was easier to say no she can't she sounds like an evil winch doesn't she evil winch <laughs> that's Meghan Markle good grief 25 minutes past six and we'll carry on here with um, Prince Harry's moaning, tiring out the king. And uh, we've got Paul Murray. He's he's the interviewer. And uh, we're listening to Angela Levin. She's the royal biographer and commentator. Come. And Harry was saying, well, how are you going up there? She was trying to get hold of William. Which plane you're taking? I want to come on it. And he was arguing and arguing and shouting. And he said that his father, in, in Spare, the book, his memoirs that he wrote, that his father was very disrespectful to him oh. and um, a very unappealing. And, of course, you know, if your mother, any mother is dying, you're not sort of trying to organise a flight for somebody, really. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're overwhelmed with the feeling that this is the moment that you'd hope would never happen. And um, so uh, the, the Williams aides have told 
Robert that um, they could have, they, he didn't call them. That's who they should have called. They would have sorted everything out for him. So he was making a mountain out of something that was tragic, but which he wasn't using his common sense. Yeah, well, it's obvious that, uh, you know, at that time, Prince Charles, now King Charles, uh, yeah, isn't the bloke who ends up booking flights. Uh, the aides, the staff are able to do that. And as you say, when he himself is trying to rush to get there, it's pretty obvious where uh, his mind was going to be. Is there anything else about the book that stands out to you that's going to produce headlines uh, when the world gets to see it later in the week? Yes, well, it's interesting. Um, today I found out that um, William is not at all religious, unlike the Queen Elizabeth and uh, King Charles. And he goes to church on at Easter and uh, Christmas, but he's not really interested and he doesn't feel comfortable in a spiritual sort of place. So um, he's thinking that he doesn't, when the time comes, he doesn't want to be leader of the church, which is what King Charles does. And he has made it of all religions, but uh, um, William isn't, a feeling about that. And it would be the first time since Henry VIII wasn't in charge of um, the religion of the country. So I, I think that's very interesting. I mean, young people aren't so keen on religion. We know that now. Numbers have gone down. I don't know whether you have the same thing in Australia. but Very much so. Yeah, very, numbers have gone down, but somehow you feel they want to they want to do everything, you know, be in charge of the church, um, look after the people, look after the Commonwealth, and and um, be everybody. And I think William will be focusing on different things rather than his father, but not things like climate change. They both absolutely agree with that, and luckily they are close now. I think they've moved closer because of Harry and the upset and the pain. But um, King Charles has also said, you know, he can't keep on listening to all this. Um, and he, he puts it into different sections in his brain. So this is the Harry arguing and moaning, but actually he's got to get on and be king and do what's necessary. Well, it seems that, uh, you know, King William, whenever that eventually happens. Uh, well, the idea that he will be more committed to changing the weather than uh, the church of which he's supposed to run, very fitting for the generation of which he will represent. Angela, thank you very much. Do appreciate it. There we are. That's um, Angela Levin, royal biographer and commentator. It's 27 minutes past six. You're at the World at Five here with Grant Edwards. If you've just tuned in, thank you very much and welcome along. So, uh, also, so we're on the royal vein. Shall we? Um, shall we? Um, shall we just skip now? We've got another. I've got another one from Paul Murray here. Beyond rude, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle blasted for naming their daughter. Oh, we've had all that. This is all a bit repetitive. Australians need to show. Oh no, we've got all that as well. So that looks like Sky News. That's all the videos I have for you this morning. And um, for those on Rumble, what I will do is I'm going to organise it. I'll get myself sorted out so that we can uh, actually have. Um, the videos for you to have a look at. Uh, other news from Australia, alarming uh, alarm raised as a massive Sydney apartment complex is under threat of collapse. The Sydney building, uh, the building company, has been ordered to immediately repair a 900-unit apartment complex with a number of structural ailments, citing serious concerns 
that the builder is under threat of collapse, or the building rather is under threat of collapse. And I, I think, gosh, if they have to fix it, they'll be under threat of uh, bankruptcy as well. Uh, very infectious uh, measles alert <laughs> over in Australia, in southwest Sydney. The state's health department issued the alert on Wednesday after being notified that a confirmed case visited an area of southwest Sydney while infectious. I thought they were all jabbed up with the MMR, measles, mumps and rubella. So how come that's out? Uh, probably because they've all been jabbed up and that is the problem there. You jab them up, they lose their um, immunity and um, the body's just presenting these things on the surface, you know, when you've got um, th- just getting rid of toxins when you have things like measles and stuff like that. There's no virus. And if you want to know more about that, go over to Dr. Sam Bailey. Uh, you'll find her at Dr. Sam, S-A-M-D-R, just the D-R, Sam Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. And you'll find out all about viruses, the so-called things that don't exist. I think they've just been invented. This is the Grant Edwards idea of it. Uh, they've been invented to cover medical malpractice with all the pharmaceutical nonsense, all the rubbish they're putting into people. Uh, that's what I think it is as well. And all this long, long Jovid and all this sort of carry on. I say, Joe, I have to speak in code because we're going out on other platforms that will um, slap me and clink for, you know, seven to 30 days. Uh, now, more news from Australia and tax cuts will happen in July. According to the Prime Minister, he pledges to follow through with stage three tax cuts. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has pledged the previous government's stage three tax cuts will happen in July, meaning 94% of taxpayers will soon enjoy a maximum rate of 30%. Woolworths stocks plunge, that's their um, uh, shares we call them over in New Zealand, they call it stocks in Australia and also in the United States. They will go, they've plunged amid the controversial Australia Day uh, decision. Woolworths stocks have been on the downward trend in recent weeks amid pricing, uh, price gouging concerns and its decision to stop selling Australia Day merchandise. And you know what's happening uh, here in New Zealand uh, and also in Australia across the ditch? Uh, people are opting for farmers' markets. And did you notice that during the Joe Black pandemic, there were a lot of, uh, they shut the farmers' markets down. They shut the butcher shops down and they kept the, the big supermarkets open because they're in cahoots with the government, aren't they? Yes, they are. Now, more on politics and not going to take lectures. Catherine King, she hits back at a high-speed rail criticism. Catherine King has declared that she's not going to take a lecture on rail from the National Party as she sits back at, at uh, rather hits back at criticism uh, about the progress being made on plans for high-speed trains. Also, the French bulldog reunited with the family after being stolen by burglars. This uh, French bulldog, are they vicious? Well, they're nice, I don't know. Named Sonic, doesn't sound good. <laughs> Sonic. Uh, a friend of ours, had a, they had a dog and they called it Scud because uh, it used to run around all over the place. And that was during the time of the, um, the Falklands invasion. And they, and they had Scud missiles, didn't they? And so they called their dog Scud. So this one's called Sonic. And it's been reunited with the family after being kidnapped by two women <laughs> who have been charged by Western Australian police. And a second alleged murder plot for underworld figure thwarted within days. Organised crime activity in Sydney is showing no signs of de-escalation, but specialist crime units are working on a full steam uh, and full yeah, full steam ahead with police thwarting another thwarting uh, another alleged murder plot on Wednesday yesterday, just days follow, following the last. Uh, Rowan Dennis, she, he makes a surprise. Uh, some visit at his wife's funeral 
I don't think he should have gone, really. Unless he's trying to make out that he's innocent. Accidentally ran her over. Oh. So she's a, she's a decorated cyclist. Melissa Hoskins ended up, um, he's been charged over that, but he's obviously out on bail. Uh, frightening siege in southwest Sydney suburb causes residents to evacuate. A high-speed police pursuit. I think I covered this around about five o'clock. Yes, uh, but we'll do it again for those that have just joined, and there's quite a few that have just joined up. Um, and thanks very much. Good to have you. Um, anyway, this high-speed uh, pursuit, uh, an all-out siege on a home in southwest Sydney suburb, has ended with the arrest of a 25-year-old man. And more Australian news. Jeff Kennett makes it, takes a swipe at national supermarket stunt. National leader David L- Lillyproud has demanded greater scrutiny on alleged supermarket price gouging. But former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett, he has slammed the party's call uh, for a crackdown as a political stunt. Aussies wait a little longer for interest rate reprieve. Aussies may have to wait until the end of the year for the interest rate reprieve, though they may be, um, uh, they may be saved from another rate hike in February. So that's good. In business, Qantas plunges the 41st place, plunges to 41st place in the annual brand rankings. Uh, they uh, failing to, you know, this is 43, that 41 rather, that's not very good, is it? Amongst Australian companies after the airline allegedly sold thousands. Oh, I'd have to click on it to get the end, end of that sentence. Sorry about that. So what have we got here? So, um, yes, uh, so Qantas has plunged in the annual brand rankings. Uh, falling to 41st place amongst Australian companies after the airline allegedly sold thousands of tickets to flights that had already been cancelled last year. Before the pandemic in 2019, Qantas was the top brand in Australia, but that crown is now with Woolworths. You wouldn't think so, would you, after what they've been going through? Uh, Brand Finance Australian Managing Director Mark Crow says there's a number of issues that play out, but they all lead to one's covering reputation. There have been uh, declines in the Qantas brand regarding strength and uh, brand uh, equity, they call it, in terms of value for money, in terms of recommendation, in terms of customer experience. He goes on to say that they are significant attributes for an airline which they deserve, uh, rather, which, (laughs) which if they decrease, they will not only have a big impact on brand value, but brand strength as well. Uh, there we are. I don't know. There's a bit of a, a nothing one, wasn't it? Significant disruption to trade flow in the Red Sea due to the Houthi rebel attacks. Oil prices have fluctuated since October last year when Houthi rebels in the Middle Eastern nation of Yemen began attacking ship uh, shipping lanes. You know, they're just basically pirates and they've been doing it for uh, flipping ages. Um, here is that report uh, over there. Who's it by? It doesn't really say who it's by, but we'll have a listen to that. Uh, because that's going to affect us here too if they continue on with that. And I think America, the UK and Australia need to get involved there and uh, blow those buggers out of the water. Oil prices have fluctuated since October last year when Houthi rebels in Middle Eastern nation of Yemen began attacking shipping lanes in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Oman. Joining me now is Vivek Dar, Commodities Analyst at the Commonwealth Bank. Uh, Vivek, thanks for your time. Uh, just how much disruption are these Houthi rebel attacks causing to global shipping lanes? 
So look, even if we look outside commodities, we're talking 13% of global trade goes through that Suez Canal and, and the Red Sea. So it is a significant volume in terms of the, the global picture. And adding to that, if you look at container freight, we're talking 30%. So it is a significant disruption uh, when you talk about how much trade flows have to now divert and the extra cost of that. So this is something that is is impacting, you know, thinking about oil, you're thinking about LNG, but just broadly all trade is really looking at this very, very closely. Yeah, the United States, the UK, they've now started launching airstrikes against the Houthi rebels in the past sort of month or so. But right now, these strikes don't really appear to have stopped them or discouraged them. So what, what are shipping operators doing in the Red Sea? So look, in, in terms of the options open, when we particularly look at, at, at going through the, the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, you're basically having a tenfold increase in your insurance premiums. So if you decide to go this route, you're, you're definitely going to be paying for it. You're, the alternative is to go around Africa. And, and that's something that will, will effectively add about 14 days to your, to your journey and as a result will increase costs. Now, the reason why this is all quite critical when we talk about oil is if you combine oil and oil product flows that, that typically have gone through the, the Red Sea and Suez Canal, um, particularly post the Ukraine war, we're talking almost a repricing of about 6.5% of global oil supply. And that is what this, the, the market has to digest. Now, that might not reflect in oil prices directly, but what it will do is the realized oil price that you get for the consumers, particularly in Europe and, and Asia, those are going to be higher. And that is going to spread to the market at some point. So it's, it's certainly something to watch, not reflected in oil price indices, but certainly in terms of consumers and what they're paying by seeing this, this play out. And at the same time, uh, on the other side of the world, there's bitterly cold temperatures in the United States Midwest. So what's that doing to oil production right now out of North America? Yeah, look, in terms of uh, what we've seen, North, North Dakota has been impacted in the Midwest. And, you know, we're talking 0.65% of global supply sideline. Now, the risks for that, if you look at the entire state, it's about 1.2% of global supply coming from it. So that's really what's at risk. But in the scheme of things, I'd say the market is paying some attention to that, but recognizes it's more temporary. But it's what's happening right now in the Red Sea that's attracted the most attention. Because initially that was seen as a 72-hour warning, and now that's become almost an indefinite, be, like we'll let you know when this, this becomes safe. But this entire process right now is, is everyone is now guessing when will those shipping lanes open again. Uh, turning to iron ore, were you surprised with the strength of the iron ore price earlier this year, touching about 144 US dollars a tonne? In terms of what we saw with iron ore prices, we saw a massive dislocation between where iron ore prices almost finished 2023 and what happened in December in terms of China steel output. We saw China steel production fall almost 15% year on year. In, in the December month alone. And, and if you look at that, it doesn't make sense why iron ore prices lifted as high as it did. In our view, markets looked well ahead. They saw the fact that stimulus was on the table for China, and they thought, okay, steel demand hopes should increase, particularly via infrastructure investment. And prices almost reflected that future demand hope. But the current conditions are still bad. And that is something that we're starting to see play a bigger role in setting the price right now. And that explains why I know for us has come down from 144 to now under 130. And just given how negative those steel margins are currently, we think we could see prices threaten that $100 a ton mark.
Vivek Dar from Commonwealth Bank. Thanks so much for your time today. There we go. Okay, now I'll just hope I'll just have to stick with it because it'll it'll want to play again. But uh, anyway, let's hope it doesn't. But if it does, I'll sort it. It's twenty minutes to seven, and that was Vivek Dahl. He's the director of mining and energy commodities and research. Uh, that's at the um, Commonwealth Bank of Australia. Now, okay, I'll be back in a moment and we'll go back to New Zealand news and uh, we'll go to uh, Radio New Zealand, Otago Daily Times. We'll have a look at News Hub as well, see if they've got anything fresh and also stuff which I haven't covered just yet. So I'll be back in just a moment. Two of the most hated people on planet Earth right now are politicians and the media. They're trying to divide us. They're lying to us. They're, everybody's catching on and everybody's starting to get it now, right? We didn't get it two and a half, three years ago. Everybody's starting to get it now. So I, don't, I don't give a shit what the media does. I don't care what they do, what they say. They don't matter to me. They're not as powerful and they're not as influential as they think they are. In your testimony, did I understand you right? Said that you want to end all plastic manufacturing? I said the plastics industry must be stopped. So does that mean end plastic manufacturing? I mean, in my dream world, sure. But I think that, so, um, oh, so oh, God. So I, I, and I don't mean to be condescending here. I just point out, what's going to replace your glasses? Um, like, so I do you wear know. your glasses around your face? They're, they're made of plastic. Maybe. No, I don't know what they're made out of. They are. What, so, what about, and I just point out some things here because I just want to be realistic when we're having conversations because when statements are made like this, I just want to open people's eyes and say, well, what, okay, that's easy to say, but what's the solution? Your water bottle in front of you. This one? Yes. That plastic? No. The lid is. That's plastic. Right. So right. It, I would it, say it, to your no question problem. that I would first be concerned about single-use plastics, and then we can talk your, about alternatives your, to this. Your, your cell phone there. The plastic? The cases. A funny ending. Oh, gosh. Uh, they've got no idea, have they? 17 minutes to now, 17 to 7. We'll have TNT Radio News this time. I'll talk right through and I didn't notice that it was about 10 past, seven, uh, 10 past 6 before I noticed that you'd actually talk right through it. Never mind. We're over at Otago Daily Times and we're looking at New Zealand's most trusted newspaper here, <laughs> by the way. Council plans a big spend, uh, the next decade of capital spending for Dunedin City. Uh, that's the Dunedin City Council. That might need... A $500 million bump up to $2 billion, it has been signalled. Also in news from Dunedin, uh, you ain't seen nothing like the mighty Flynn. A mighty Finn, I should say, F-I-N-N. The bring a bag of spare balls. Allen stole the show with an incredible knock of 137 against Pakistan in the T20 Cricket International in Dunedin yesterday. So that was good. Actually, that might have been Tuesday. And New Zealand. Oh, hang on. Oh, no, hang on. Things seem to have changed around at the Otago Daily Times. Normally they have national news, but I'm blown if I can find it. Uh, It's all over the place. Anyway, charges have been laid in the wake of a crash. The driver of a vehicle which collided head-on with another car on Sunday evening at Porter's Pass, killing a greymouth woman, has been charged, and rightly so. And uh, what have we got here? Wait over NCA exams results been posted. Secondary principals, they hope for a smoother NCA exam round this year. Uh, and a Dunedin pupil is relieved the results are out. So how did your kids go? Did they do all right? The, um, it's a scary time of the year for them, isn't it? It's exciting as well and disappointing. But those that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, work hard 
and you get good results. And I think it's a lot easier to get good results now with the NCEA anyway. Now, mental health groups, they seek funding. A continuing battle for funding has not stopped the Dunedin Mental Wellness Group, uh, a Dunedin Mental Wellness Group, from helping more than 2,000 people over the last five years. I'll uh, give you some information on that. There's a guy there with a uh, an earring. It's huge. Oh, he's, he's deformed his ear. He's got one of those ones where they put... Uh, it looks like a um, serviette ring through his ear, a big black serviette ring. That's not so good. And then they've got all these pencils and they've got all the colours of the rainbow. They're probably the rainbow, rainbow thing. Now, uh, continuing battle for funding has not been uh, not stopped a Dunedin Mental Wellness Group from helping more than 2,000 people over the last five years. Weka, which stands for Wellness, Empathy, Kindness, Aotearoa, has uh, funded... Uh, rather, it was funded by mental health nurse and educator Matthew Peppercorn in 2018. The group worked with all ages to help them overcome issues around mental health and well-being by providing unique and varying individual and group sessions free of charge. Peer support worker Holly Bramwell, she became involved in WECA during her studies. She said, having travelled a very strong journey myself, a very strong journey myself, uh, then trying to go through the system, I realise it's all very medical. They give you lots of pharmaceutical drugs to help you get through it, but in actual fact it makes you worse, more dependent. Uh, become, coming along to Weka and meeting other people that and share their journeys with you, uh, there's powerful uh, source right there, she said. She explains that many of their clients, after experiencing growth, ended up taking on roles within the mental health sector. And that's what I find. Mental patients end up uh, being psychiatrists, or not so much psychiatrists, because they're doctors, uh, but a lot of people that have got some mental disorders end up um, trying to help others. But I actually don't think people that have had gone through mental um, problems, it stays with them for ages, especially if they've been you know, uh, medicated as well. I don't think they're in any, any position to be giving advice to other people with mental problems. That's what they've do. This has been happening in our country for decades, but I think it's a silly thing. So we'll leave that story there because uh, it just irritates me that you've got um, you know the blind leading the blind. Uh, now um, I have to move away from there because I actually can't find my way around in it. Oh, hang on, maybe if I try that. No, it's all just like Dunedin news. That's a um, bit of a pain. I'll go try that one more time. Uh, Dunedin. Oh, there we're national. Here we are. Okay, there we are. So we've got it now. The, the lotto results are out. Uh, and I'm not interested, are you? No. Simon Bridges, of course, uh, for those who just joined us, he's in hospital after an e-scooter crash. Auckland Business Chamber of Commerce CEO Simon Bridges in hospital after the uh, electric scooter accident yesterday left him with a broken wrist and badly grazed face. A fatal crash closes State Highway in Tasman, uh, the section of main highway between Muchweka and Richmond, uh, was closed for a few hours after the fatal crash uh, when a car and a motorcycle collided on Mapua, uh, in, near Mapua in the afternoon yesterday. And the man who sold bleach as a cure for COVID, he's been jailed. Uh, he seized upon the idea uh, during the, the Jovid pandemic as a uh, money-making opportunity by selling ble- bleach as a cure for the so-called virus, uh, making more than $100,000. He's been sent to jail. Um, that's the second time that he, he actually appealed the first case. And this time he went to jail and he goes, he's one of those living men people. Auckland mother, she pleads gu- guilty to infanticide 
the Auckland mother pleaded guilty over the death of a 15-week-old daughter two months after she was initially set to go to jail for murder. More school pupils are stood down for vaping. Vaping and smoking are bigger issues in primary schools than in secondary schools in many parts of New Zealand, according to government figures that have been revealed. And arrest after a teen killed in Auckland car shooting. Two teenagers have been arrested and charged with allegedly shooting a single gunshot wound, uh, rather gunshot uh, fired through a window, that's the car window in Auckland early on New Year's Day, critically injuring two teenagers. NCEA pass rates down for third straight year. Provisional results indicate NCEA pass rates dropped across the board for the third consecutive year in 2023. Road user charges for electric vehicles are disappointing. The government uh, changes to road user charges will see some EV owners paying twice as much per kilometre as the equivalent petrol vehicle, according to a climate uh, and energy expert. Sick, a prowler filmed peeping in family's window. A sick prowler has been creeping around Rotorua mum's home and peering into her window for 40 minutes before she received a phone call that could have uh, come from a horror movie. Oh, we better zoom in on that, because the next one's Golritz, Golritz Garamo, and I'm tired of that one, aren't you? Uh, so we'll have a look at this. Is there a video with it? No, they've got a still from security footage of the man uh, waving uh, in the kitchen window. Oh, gosh. That's blimmin' scary, isn't it? Uh, so anyway, this prowler, he'd been creeping around there in the Rotorua mum's home around the outside, peering into the windows for about 40 minutes before she received a phone call that could have come from a horror movie. He's outside your kitchen right now. Just lock the door and call the police. Uh, act, act casual. <laughs> a Malfoy Road resident, uh, her name is Jacina Sayers, uh, Kiriona. It was cleaning up uh, her uh, one-year-old spilt Milo when her phone rang on Saturday night, thinking it was uh, strange for a neighbour's landlord to be calling at 10.30 at night. Uh, Kiriona, she picked up the phone. I don't want to scare you, the landlord said. Lock your door right now. Um, moved to tears, recalling the event. Kiriona said the landlord's next words horrified her. My tenants next door are watching a man, and he's outside your kitchen window right now, the landlord said. Just lock your door and call the police. Act casual. As Kiriona followed the instructions, uh, her neighbour was filming and taking photos of the prowler outside Kiriona's window, hoping the police could use the footage later. My two kids were with me, Kiriona said. My phone was on the bench on the charger and I've got a security security camera that detects motion and alerts, uh, and alerts me, but I wasn't checking it. I see. Uh, after locking the door, she grabbed her babies and huddled in the living room. She she then called the police. I was trying to look, uh, not look, because I was so scared. I didn't know uh, what was going on, but I don't, I didn't want to um, to see him. No, you wouldn't want to, would you? You'd be, it'd be terrifying for a woman living on her own with the kids. How dare he? Uh, Kiriona said that he, uh, she was on the phone with the police at about 12 minutes. She was there with them for 12 minutes. The whole time she was very aware that the strange man was still outside her home. He started getting loud. He started trying the doorknob. I could hear it. Uh, he started tapping on the windows. He didn't say anything. He was just tapping, and it was just horrible. Uh, she said that she messaged an older friend asking for help. The friend, who didn't want to be named, told the Rotorua Daily Post that... Uh, she had just arrived at the home when she received Kiriana, or she just arrived at her home when Kiriana, she got her text, 
and uh, there was a she said there's a man outside the kitchen window and he was peeping in, and, da, 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 da. and um, she drove to the house and she turned into the drive. As she turned in, she saw him. He was just crouched down in the bushes and he had no t-shirt on and he was just crouched down. It must have been a mental patient or something. Who, who in the right mind would do that? Probably on pharmaceutical psychiatric drugs. The man said that the, the sorry the friend said the man jumped uh, to the side and stood up. I got out of my car and I confronted him. I screamed and swore. Hey! <laughs> I bet she did. Uh, the friend said that she wanted to be sure the disgusting man knew Kiriona was not alone. My intentions were to let him know that there were people who would come and help. Uh, that's what she said. Uh, the woman said the prowler took off running up Malfoy Road, still half naked. Well, he got a T-shirt off. I suppose that's half naked. Men, can't, men can run around with a T-shirt off, can't they? We can just walk anywhere and have our T-shirt off. But uh, women can't. I, just, I, think, I don't think it's right, actually. I think men should be covered up as well. Uh, she said, I told Kiriana to tell the police he was running, but uh, I, I just couldn't help myself. I drove up Malfoy Road to see if I could find him uh, so that police could um, come to me and catch him, but he disappeared. She said, if I was younger, I would have tackled him. Uh, I was not having it. The woman said that she hoped that the man was not going, uh, not doing this to other young mums with children. Yeah, it's bad news. So obviously he's casing the joint and knew she was there, uh, you know, solo mum at home with a couple of kids. Unbelievably bad. Now, uh, more on Golra's Garriman. Uh, she's been charged with shoplifting. The embattled former Green MP, Golra's Garriman has been charged with two counts of shoplifting. Water provider called out for sexist social media post. Auckland water provider Watercare has defended a social media post encouraging women to take shorter showers as other users call out the post for sexism. Uh, they're defending it. Okay, MP, and there we are. National sores in this year's first political poll. Uh, I think I have, didn't we talk about that yesterday? Voters appear to have warned the government over the summer break. Rather, voters have warmed. <laughs> oh, Grant. You've warmed the government, warmed to the government over the summer break with the first poll of the new year showing that national breaking the 40% threshold. New Zealand is killing us. A tourist anguished as a van was smashed. A pair of American tourists are desperate to flee New Zealand just a few months into their year long trip after they were victims of vandals and bullies. That's not so good. And the man's been charged over a Canterbury crash that killed a librarian. The man's been charged with causing the death of a school librarian following a crash in the Canterbury village of Castle Hill. Former mayor to replace uh, Garriman in Parliament with the resignation of Golras Garriman, former Wellington mayor. Her uh, name is Celia Wade-Brown. She's set to enter Parliament as the Greens' newest MP. And, of course, we know that road user charges extended to EVs and hybrids. They will soon cost close to $1,000 a year to drive a Tesla or a Nissan Leaf. Ashburton, suspicious item found to be safe. That was that package. Now, we're getting on to old news now. So we'll give that a miss. And I'll be, see if I can find some fresh news for you. And uh, I'll be back shortly. In the meantime, how about a bit of Bon Jovi? Nothing like a bit of living on a prayer. Four minutes to and this just about take us up to news time, I would think.
you're 14 years old, you're being used by Nazis to go find Jews, okay? And that must have had a big impact in your life because you're essentially helping people be found that they're going to kill. You know this. Did that impact you at all? His answer, no, not really. And he's got a smile on his face. And the guy comes back. This is a famous interviewer from 60 Minutes. You, you'll recognize the face on who it is. And he says, no, not really. He says, at that time, you know, uh, when you're thinking about life, you're not thinking about things like this, et cetera, et cetera. When okay. he's 14. When he's 14 years yeah. old. I think at 14 you are thinking. Like, I'm having real conversations with my nine-year-old son. I was at a refugee camp at 10 to 12, Joe, in Germany with Czechs, Yugoslavians, Pakistanis, Afghanistan people. And I remember. 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. On Tuesday, the United States military conducted a third round of strikes targeting Iran-supported Houthi forces in Yemen, successfully neutralizing four ballistic missiles. These strikes, occurring at 4.15 a.m. local time, were a response to an attack on the Gibraltar Eagle, a Marshall Islands flagged vessel owned by the U.S., which took place on Monday. This latest U.S. action, following previous strikes last week, focused on destroying anti-ship ballistic missiles. According to U.S. Central Command, these missiles were stationed in Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen and posed an immediate threat to both commercial and U.S. Navy ships traveling in the Red Sea and adjacent waters. U.S. Central Command stated on Tuesday that these missiles were set for launch and presented a significant risk to maritime traffic in the region. The Houthis, based in their controlled territory in Yemen, have a history of targeting merchant vessels in the Red Sea. On the same day, a Greek-owned Maltese flag vessel, the Zagrafia, was attacked at 1.45 p.m. local time by the Houthis. Despite sustaining damage, the Zagrafia remains navigable and will continue its journey with no injuries reported among the crew. NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg said on Tuesday that Russia is advancing on many parts of the front in Ukraine, while Kiev's summer offensive did not deliver the desired results. Speaking in Davos at a World Economic Forum panel titled Securing an Insecure World, Stoltenberg described the situation on the battlefield as extremely difficult. Allies to coalesce around them. What is the plan for 2024? Because this is what the Americans want to know. The plan is to demonstrate for President Putin that he will not win on the battlefield. And the way to do that is for NATO allies uh, uh, to continue to provide unprecedented military support to, uh, to Ukraine. The United States is, of course, key. But the good thing is that this is really burden sharing uh, among NATO allies. European allies, Canada, uh, are also providing uh, uh, substantial uh, support to Ukraine. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis succeeded expectations by securing second place in the Iowa caucuses. Yet he now confronts significant challenges in the upcoming primary contest in New Hampshire and South Carolina which are crucial for his bid for the Republican presidential nomination. DeSantis is currently competing with Nikki Haley to emerge as the primary alternative to former President Donald Trump, who secured a majority with 51% of the vote in Iowa. Following the caucuses, DeSantis expressed optimism, stating in spite of all that they threw at us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa, suggesting that Iowa voters have endorsed him as a leading presidential candidate. However, the upcoming campaigns in New Hampshire and South Carolina are critical for DeSantis. 
He is trailing behind Haley in the polls and is gearing up for more direct confrontation with Trump in these states. President Vladimir Putin recently welcomed North Korean Foreign Minister Chae Son-hui at the Kremlin. This meeting followed earlier discussions between the top diplomats of both countries focused on enhancing bilateral relations and collaborative efforts. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov briefed the media on Tuesday, sharing that North Korean and Russian diplomats briefed Putin on the outcomes of their talks. These discussions built on the agreements that were reached by the heads of state in the Far East recently. Last September, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un visited Russia for nearly a week. His journey took him to Russia's Far East region by train, where he engaged with Putin, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, and other officials. During his visit, Kim had the opportunity to see Russia's nuclear-capable aircraft and hypersonic missiles. It's tough to note, however, that the policy of the U.S. and its regional satellites of creating threats to the North Korean security is far from helping to move in the positive direction. We will continue to call for abandoning any steps that lead to an escalation of tensions. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless. But legally, I'm uh, 69. I will so become you want 70. to identify 17 years? Yeah, because, you know, Sorry, I feel like that. I have that feeling. You, you're not actually 42, you're 69. No, but the times has changed. No, they no. haven't changed. No, they have No time has changed. And that birthday has changed. It has all to do with beliefs. My bi- biological age is about 42, the doctor says. But legally, I'm uh, 69. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually 9 out of 10 Americans, that's real. That's substantive. That's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Six minutes past seven. Good morning. Welcome to The World at Five with Grant Edwards. And uh, we're looking at the extremes now right across New Zealand and New Plymouth. They've got the highest temperature now. They've pipped everybody else. 21.7 degrees, almost 22. Waitati, 8.5. That's the lowest. Nugget Point, 35 kilometres of wind. And Hokitika has 11.2 millimetres of rain. It's really pouring down there, isn't it? The temperatures across the main centres, Chatham Island, 17 degrees. So it's nice and warm and muggy out there today. 14 degrees in uh, Stewart Island. Invercargill and Dunedin are on 12 and 13 Queenstown has 11 France Joseph on the west coast of the South Island there for those listening from overseas 14 degrees, Westport a little bit further up north, 19 degrees and 20 degrees in Nelson. Back down on the east coast, Dunedin's on 13, I think I might have mentioned that, Timaru's on 12 degrees this morning, good morning to you Timaru and um, also we've got um, Otaute oh some Marian it's because my mouse has gone over it hasn't it that's flipping annoying, isn't it? I wonder when they'll stop all that woke nonsense. Uh, Christchurch, 14 degrees. Blenheim, 16. And uh, Wellington, 16 degrees. Masterton's um, top to top Wellington, 17 this morning. Uh, Palmerston North, 19. New Plymouth's on 22. Napier, 21. Taupo. Now, hang on. Yeah, New Plymouth, they're the highest. Pretty pretty high. 21.7 to be precise. Napier, 21 degrees. New Plymouth, 22. Tarpo and Rotor are both on 18 now. Gisborne has 17 degrees. Good morning to you. And Gisborne out there got married out there in the cathedral, the big white building there. Said my vows and didn't stick to them. You naughty boy. You silly boy, really. It's just stupid. Stupidity. You're stupid when you're young. Uh, that's right. What does it now? What does it say? The Bible says, um, 
A foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. I looked about 16 when I got married. I was 20 and uh, not too young. Uh, just wasn't very mature, I don't think, a bit of a late. I was good in business, though, quite young. I had my first business when I was 19. I actually bought my first business. Uh, had a bit of help there. So did Donald Trump, though, didn't he? But I didn't end up as, doing as well as him. Uh, Tauranga, 20 degrees. Hamilton, 17. Auckland, on 20. Uh, yeah, Wangarei. Well, apparently, according to this, Wangarei is actually higher than New Plymouth. Wangarei has 22 this morning. So, yes, I had a friend up there. They said it's very muggy at the moment, very muggy. And watch out for the blowflies. Have you got sheep? Make sure they're well shorn. Give their, give their bums a bit of a shave. They call it crutching uh, for obvious reasons. Kai Tai, you're on 20 degrees as well. A short forecast for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel and the Bay of Plenty. Fine spells with isolated showers. For Waitomo to Manawatu, including the central high country and also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. Partly cloudy today. Oh, also the Wairapa as well. Partly cloudy with scattered showers today, mainly in the afternoon and evening with some heavy they may be heavy, uh, possibly thundery inland. Horowanua to Wellington, uh, generally fine weather with cloudy periods. Marlborough, Nelson, Buller and Westland. Rain with heavy falls and thunderstorms in the west, clearing uh, Nelson and Marlborough in the evening. That's this evening. Canterbury, cloudy periods with scattered showers, uh, with thunderstorms possible about the high country in the afternoon and evening. Otago and Southland through to Fiordland. Now, you've got mostly cloudy weather today with uh, scattered rain developing this morning and then it's going to be clearing, though, by the evening. And for the Chatham Islands, cloud increasing with uh, uh, evening, uh, yes, it's, it's increasing this evening and you're going to have some drizzle patches as well. The extended forecast for tomorrow for the North Island, partly cloudy. Uh, showers from Taihapi, isolated showers elsewhere. In the South Island on Friday tomorrow, uh, you've got rain, it is Friday tomorrow, isn't it? At nine minutes past seven. Yes, today's Thursday the 18th. If you're having a birthday, happy birthday. In the South Island, rain in the west with heavy falls, scattered rain in the south, partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. On Saturday in the North Island, partly cloudy, isolated showers in uh, for Northland, Auckland and the east coast as well. More widespread showers elsewhere. For the South Island on Saturday, rain easing to isolated showers for Buller, Nelson and Fiordland, but clearing for Westland. A few showers for Southland and Clutha, mainly fine elsewhere. On Sunday in the North Island, rain spreading south with possible heavy falls, heavy falls, but you've got a few showers in the southwest. Heavy falls, but just a few showers. In the South Island on Sunday, showers developing in the west, partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. The extended forecast for the Chatham Islands... A good morning to you out there. Uh, you've got mostly cloudy weather, a few showers on Friday, and you've got northerlies. I'll be back in a minute, and we'll see what else is happening with the newspapers. It's been a very quiet morning, very quiet morning, and I was all so organised last night, but then it all just went to custard, and I think I couldn't get to sleep. When I can't get to sleep at night, if I'm not asleep by sort of 10 o'clock at the latest, um, it makes it very difficult when you get up at 4 o'clock and you're trying to be coherent. And I even have trouble getting my eye to move ahead and read the words, and you may have noticed it this morning. Sometimes I have great mornings. If I get plenty of sleep, I'm absolutely fine. But if I don't get enough sleep, I struggle. And so I'm awfully sorry about that, you know, just sort of slaving over stories, that sort of thing. Uh, I'll be back shortly. It's 11 past 7. From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Yes, we'll see, there we are. You see, I'm not quite ready. And I've, something's happened to the Otago Daily Times with their national news. It's all turned to pot. 
Um, so anyway, we're over there now. Council plans a big spend. It looks like it's all to do with Dunedin right now. Uh, the next decade of capital spending for Dunedin City Council might need five, a $500 million bump up to $2 billion. And so that's half a billion going all the way up to $2 billion. And who's going to pay for that? You ratepayers, you taxpayers are going to end up paying for that. Now, a man broke Dorman's eye socket. A Queenstown man who broke a Dorman's eye socket with his fist has been sentenced to home detention. Well, he should be put in prison for that. That's fairly serious. And uh, change made without uh, talking to us, according to the board. The West Harbour Community Board is calling for a rethink of the controversial plan to shift the Port Chalmers pedestrian crossing and cut car parks inside the town's library. Uh, more news from Dunedin and um, Cod Care. Cod Care is a priority for officers. A Dunedin fisheries officer uh, with a passion for blue cod. Oh, we used to catch You know, I caught 54 blue cod when I, in 1973. My friend and I, Dr. Graham Sewell, he wasn't a doctor then. And he hasn't changed much, you know. Of course, he didn't have his moustache then when he was young. <laughs> I had to steal that from Rowan Atkinson. I've known Graham since he was six years old. And do you know, he hasn't changed a bit. Of course, he didn't have his moustache then. And anyway, I think he's a ripping chap. And I think his wife is ripping too. And I only hope the dress will hold out. <laughs> yeah, I quite like Rowan Atkinson. I'd be good if I could do a character voice, wouldn't it? That'd be good. Now, uh, taking their opportunity, Highlanders commercial coordinator, Samantha McCauley, she wraps up the Highlanders uh, banner around the Sophie Notum, Notman of Omaru and Zara Milne of uh, Kaitangata during a hands-on at Otago session yesterday. So what does that all mean? What is that? What is it when they, they wrap a Highlanders banner around them? I don't know. Do we want to know? We could click on it, find out bit of local news for the, for the South Islanders. For us mainlanders, that's what we call them. Oh, there she's just wrapping a banner. Oh, yeah. It's like she's putting the, the national, their, um, their sports flag around them. Or, or it's the Highland, Highlanders one. There it is there. So they're in the, the 17, a couple of kids there, hands-on at Otago session yesterday. The session is one of many being held this week, aimed at giving those who will be in year 12 and 13 a taste of life at the University of Otago. This took part, oh, both of them, they rather took part in lectures for various university subjects, participating in uh, research projects, and enjoyed a broad recreational and social environment at the university. The week-long hands-on, they call it, hands-on at Otago events finished uh, finished yesterday. Uh, it attracted more than 370 pupils from secondary schools around the country. So there we are, they give them a bit of a taste of what it's going to be like at university, being indoctrinated into leftist uh, ideologies. Now, you ain't seen nothing like the mighty Finn. Finn, uh, bring a bag of spare balls, because <laughs> he's knocking them out of the park. Alan stole the show with an incredible knock of 137 against Pakistan in the T20 Cricket International in Dunedin. And also road user charges for electric vehicles are disappointing, apparently. Uh, the government's uh, changes to road user charges will see e some EV owners paying twice as much per kilometre as the equivalent petrol vehicle. Well, I find that hard to believe. But there we are, they're saying it. Now, why can't I get to... Um, yeah, they've done a change. They've, they've been fiddling around, stuffing around. They didn't tell me. I have to send them an email. You go mucking around with your front page, it's going to make it very difficult for me to give you... Uh, to promote you, to promote your propaganda. Uh, so there we'll, so we'll leave them there, and we'll go across the Radio New Zealand and see what's happening there. 
Um, we've got this tropical storm too, the Southwest Pacific's first tropical cyclone of 2024. Uh, it could form within the next few days, but meteorologists say there's no sign yet of any risk to New Zealand. Forecasters are closely tracking potential for a tropical low over the Coral Sea to form into a cyclone system, with the Australian Bureau of Meteorology uh, currently giving a high chance of, of about 55% of it reaching cyclone strength by early next week. Met Service's latest outlook picked a moderate risk, 20 to 50% of a system developing in the area between Queensland's northwest coast and New Caledonia from Saturday. And you can find more on that if you go to the Bureau of Meteorology in Queensland. They're over on X, you can follow them. And that's what they say, a tropical low in the Coral Sea is now rated as a high as 55% chance of being a tropical. So that's a 50-50. It's a throw-up. Now, yes, keep an eye on that. Now, we've got problems here with um, old people living in squalor. This story's just come out in the last uh, f- uh, f- 30 minutes. It's seven t- coming up to, what is it, six, yeah, 16 minutes past six, seven. Uh, 16 past seven. Now, a retired public health medical specialist says there could be hundreds of people living in severe squalor across the country, across New Zealand. What's the, what's the, the motu, the moto, is it? Moto, I don't know. Some marijuana, I think it's a motor. I hear them saying that. And they keep hammering it at you. And then in the end, you just pick it up. Don't you? And that's how they teach you. Just keep, just keep hammering it through the media. Um, now it comes as a preliminary survey of age concern and territorial authorities suggest that their, from their work, that they there may be some of their clients may be living in these circumstances. Dr. Jonathan Jarman, who led the research, said that the average age for those living in these conditions was 65 years old. Those figures also included some who were older. One of the problems was. Who else might be living in that home? Uh, in one case, one has four, uh, has, um, was aged four, Jarman said. Ah, oh, so it's old person living in squalor with young people. Is that what it says? One of the problems was that who else might be living in that home? In one case, one was aged four, I see. In one part of the country which Jarman couldn't reveal, two agencies, why not? Why can't you reveal it? It's a, just part of the country. Where, where was it? They had a total of 46 clients living in severe domestic squalor, he said. He defined these conditions as infested by vermin. Gosh, dirty old men. Is it, are they blaming old men? Yeah, they are. Look, they've got a photograph there of some old codger with his hand behind his back and a walking stick. And as, I tell you what, there's some pretty filthy old women out there. When I had my shoe store, I can remember one lady having to put shoes on her, because we used to fit, fit the shoes on people, measure their feet and put them on. And this lady, had there was a smell of piss down her leg, smell of urine. This is a Bible word too, so I hope you're not offended by Bible words. Um, you could, she'd been peeing down her legs into her shoes. Her shoes stunk of stale urine. This is an old woman. So don't think for a moment, which is what they're trying to say here, that's just filth duty old men. That's what this one, that's the, that's the subtext here that I'm seeing with the, with the image they've got. They've got some clip art, they're not clip art, but some art there from, you know, online, Gettys or whatever. They've, looked, they've just looked for photograph, dirty old man or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, now uh, it says that we're taking these quite extreme conditions and we're, t- we're talking about this. He says that they're just, they've got a messy house. And, you know, if, me- if the house is a mess and things are all over the show, it's actually also could be a sign that they're not quite right up top too, that they're suffering a wee bit, bit of stress, a bit of mental illness perhaps as well. Um, and things just get on top of them. That's what I find. I mean, when you've got to pay $16 for a, 
for a you know eight hundred uh, gram um, uh, lump of tasty cheese. I mean, things are getting quite serious. Really, I think they are. It's terrible, and they're not giving them enough. Really, what do they give them? Three hundred bucks or five hundred bucks? What do you get when you go on the old age pension? I, I have no idea. Uh, it'll be a while before I go on that. Okay, he um, defined these conditions as infested by vermin, cluttered in rubbish, with decomposing food and stench. Yeah, well, there's a mental problem there, isn't there? There's something wrong up top, and uh, they need help, really, don't they? Things aren't right. It's not just the house is filthy. It's just something's not right up top. You know, empty desk, empty mind, messy desk, messy mind, messy house, junk everywhere. Um, it, things are getting on top of you. And it might not be mental health. It might just be that you've you've just got too much on your plate. Could be that as well. And so, yeah, no, we've got to look after our elderly. They looked after us, wiped our bums when we were little. And uh, in New Zealand, we don't really look after our elderly. It's terrible. We put them in homes. They should be coming into the into your home. And uh, you know, I mean, they've probably got a bit of a bit of cash there. They could you, you could afford to have a uh, a minor dwelling. A minor dwelling attached to the house, or something like that, where you can actually have them there, keep an eye on them, just look after them. Though they're your oldies. They're, if it wasn't for your mother, you wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for your dad, you wouldn't be here. He supplies the blood. Did you know that? That the man, the father, supplies the blood to the baby. A lot of people don't know that, but it's true. You can ch- you can look it up and check it out. Hard to believe, isn't it? But it is is true. More New Zealand news. Hundreds. Of, oh, there we got that. And how to keep your garden alive. Oh gosh. So there we are. So that's that one there. Agencies such as Age Concern and Territorial Authorities are soldiering away uh, by themselves, clocking up a lot of staff time, and it says that um, it would be much easier if we could have a multi-agency approach. You start, oh, just more more work. What happens is we end up, it just, they just become this bureaucracy, and the people that are actually there, they're supposed to be helping don't get help very much. That's been my experience of these multi-agencies. Uh, that's what they need. They, 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 they're saying that's what they need throughout the whole country uh, with some expertise. We can start using international best practice. For our elderly, I think the, the Japanese look after their elderly. They seem to be better than us. Uh, so now the, the big news is um, the hit and bump, a former National Party leader, and he's in hospital after an e-scooter accident. Auckland Business Chamber Chief Chief Executive has been left with a broken wrist and a badly grazed face. So he might have had a few too many drinks, you think. And then he decided to take the uh, e-scooter for a bit of a, a bit of a spin up the road and he got the speed wobbles and <laughs> ended up in hospital. He looks like he's been in a street fight, in a brawl. And um, I'm, in, I'm in deep water. This is the man who sold cold... This is what he said in his, in his wrap-up statement to the judge when they asked him if he had anything to say. He sold bleach as a cure for Jovid-19. He was jailed. The man who seized upon the tragedy of the Jovid pandemic as a money-making opportunity uh, by selling bleach as a cure for the so-called virus, making his company more than 100, I think it was about $106,000 uh, he's ended up in jail. He's one of the living men types. Now you be, and now we talked about the tropical storm. Keep an eye on that. Firefighters, they succeeded in containing a scrub fire. Firefighters have now, uh, they have now what? They have now contained a four-hectare grass and scrub fire near Lake Benmore, beautiful there, in the upper Waitaki area in Otago. Serious crash, crash, closes Highway 60 between Mochueka and Richmond. One person has died after the crash between a car and a motorcycle. And I bet you it'll be the motorcycles that came came off second best. I was just saying to you yesterday about my son with his blimmin', he's got one of these Vespas, 
It's got an Italian motor. It's not a Vespa motor. It's not a 150. It's a 225. Really souped up Italian uh, racing engine in this blimmin' thing. And it scares me. I've already seen him on the farm have a bit of a, a, a bit of a problem. He broke the um, the kickstart on it. Must have gone down. Must have caught the gravel or something coming down the hill. And he just about lost it. Boy, oh boy, could it end up, ended up being sliced through the um, barbed wire fence. But he managed to get out of that one. Temporary citizens, I call them. So you want to make sure you've got your Bible verses sorted before you go riding on your motorbike because you might not be around for long. So um, he goes, yes, it is a bit of a death trap, and it is. All you need to do is they just make one mistake not see some half foot coming the other way or they didn't see you because you're hard to spot. I mean, some, some people actually wear um, that, you know, the orange and yellow or yellow hivers. It's probably not a bad idea. But still, you know, and I, I think other, some of these are car drivers. I mean, you're really naughty the way you get close to people on the roads. So I give them a very wide berth. And horses too. I slow right down with the horses because not everyone trains horses as well as I do. <laughs> Uh, I mean, actually, even when a big, um, you know, articulated truck or, you know, a, a logging truck goes by, they can still give the horse, you know, a bit of a fright. But you've got to get them used to all that. You can't go out on the road until they, you know, can handle a shotgun going off, you know, a couple of feet away from them. They, um, you need to train them, you know, put plastic bags and go under tarpaulins and all sorts of stuff and plastic bags on the end of a, on the end of a long, piece of stick and shake it around them and they just builds up trust it desensitizes them to fear really because they are very fearful creatures it's like they usually run don't they you give them a fright and they take off whereas an ass he'll just stand there and freeze won't he he'll boot you though <laughs> they, they kick like a mule you've heard that saying haven't you nelson's uh, emma turnbull library is uh, fully reopened uh, more than a year after a year and a half ago an unexplained seismic issue forced a library closure. Now it's opened again. And uh, how much road user charges will cost EV drivers? Uh, this is in climate and politics. Uh, owners of a fully electric vehicle could end up paying twice as much per kilometre as someone with a petrol car, according to um, a climate energy expert. And uh, so that's what he says. Now the government, they've... Um, the government's changes to road user charges will see some EV owners paying twice as much, they say. Consultant Christina Hood of Compass Climate <laughs> said it was, f- um, it was fair to start charging EVs to use roads, charging them to use roads. Yeah, I agree. They should be anyone that uses the roads. Well, any commercial business. Commercial drivers should be paying road user taxes, but not private people. We shouldn't be paying anything. Just pay for a bit of petrol. There should be no ruck. For private users, only commercial users, and no licenses either. Why should you need to be licensed? As long as you can drive the car. Um, I, I just think anyone that needs to go and learn to drive shouldn't be allowed on the road anyway. There, are, I find that'd be unsafe. You best to do all your. Like my, my, my dad taught me to drive. Uh, well, I basically taught myself actually. I think I was five years old and I drove the car uh, around the around the backyard and um, into the hedge. And then up and down the driveway, that was sort of like what boys did, you know, with the gears, backwards and forwards up the, in the driveway. Didn't have any little, I had a little sister, you watch out for her, mum keep her inside while I was out there driving up and down the driveway. But, but she realised, my parents realised, you know, this is how they learn, doing dangerous things carefully. It's really important, you've got to let them do it. Jumped out of a tree once, I think it was a pine tree, just to see, if it was a Norfolk pine, jumped out of that, just to see what it felt like to jump out of a tree. And um, I used the branches to, um, you know, break my fall, and that was all good, didn't break any bones. And that's why it's just a freak of evolution, isn't it, that our bones 
young children's bones are sort of bendy. Because <laughs> God knows, God knows, come on, it's nothing to do with evolution. God knows that you're going to do stupid things, and that's why your bones aren't brittle when you're little. Uh, brittle when you're little, there we are. Now, um, so the difference, back into the EVs, the difference comes about because EVs, like diesel vehicles, they're charged per kilometre, while petrol cars pay tax per litre of fuel. This means very efficient petrol cars can have an average over EVs of the same size. A rather advantage, I should say. Gosh, God, advantage. Now, road user charges are not set in broad weight groups, so all plug-in electric vehicles weighing under 3.5 tonne pay the same rate per kilometre, regardless of size. For example, Hood, she, she compared two very similar cars, a new Kia Nitro, that's a non-plug-in petrol-electric hybrid. What's a non-plug-in? Does it? Do? I suppose it just goes along and charges itself. That's what I think you should be doing, Charge, recharging themselves. Anyway, and then the Kia Nitro full EV. She found that on the petrol version, the government collects $39 per 1,000 kilometres in tax uh, based on the car's fuel economy of 4.4 litres per 100 k's. Gosh, that's incredibly good. The tax of 89 cents a litre includes GST. The fully electric vehicle pays more than 800, uh, rather $880 per 1,000 kilometres in road user charges, twice as much as that of a um, for a petrol vehicle. That's what she calculated. Transport Minister Simeon Brown has contacted, uh, uh, who has been contacted via a spokesperson for commitment. Uh, the government has said it intends to move petrol cars to the same road user charge. They're going to be on the ruck as well. That's what I thought. That's what I thought yesterday. As the diesels and the electrics, all going to be on the same footing. And I think that's fair enough as well. And bring the prices down of fuel. Take the, take the tax off it and just play road user taxes. That's the fairest thing to do, I think. That way, you know, people that have got you know, generators, people like me, off-grid types, and people that like to go out on the boats and catch fish and fall overboard. <laughs> Usually when they find um, people that have fallen overboard, they have the zipper undone. They're usually having a pee off the back of the boat, and then they lose their footing. And quite a few people have come back drunk uh, from a night on, you know, night on the town and ended up being found, you know, found floating around in the water after they've slipped or hit the head or something on the side of the boat between the boat and the jetty. That happens a bit. Anyway, so that's enough of that story. So it looks as though petrol are going to be um, on the ruck charges uh, prices as well. Now, a goodbye Antarctica. Hello, Dunedin. A rare penguin's lengthy journey. Ah, uh, can't be bothered. Provisional NCA results are out. They show pass rates have dropped for the third year in a row. Uh, the qualification authority said three years of Jovid-related disruption were probably to blame. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think kids just need to get, pull the finger out. Uh, students have been able to access their NCA results er, uh, since early Wednesday morning. By 10.30 in the morning, the authority said about 28,000 of the 160,000 eligible students had done so online, so they're spying on you. NZQA Deputy Chief Executive for Assessment, Jan, Mar Jan Marshall, she says the national results would be available in April. Why... Why the Nash Oh, okay, to us. But provisional figures show a drop in achievement. And she says the provisional attainment rate of for 2023 is lower than 2022 for Year 11 students entering for a full NCA Level 1 assessment program. And for Year 
12 students working towards NCA Level 2. Attainment amongst Year 13 of NCA Level 3 and university entrance was slightly lower than in 2022. These changes, she says, are likely to reflect the compounding impact of three years of disruption from COVID-19. Uh, no COVID-related adjustments were made to the qualification or award requirements in 2023, she said. She went on to say that uh, attainment figures were provisional against students. Uh, could They could request a review or a, cons- a reconsideration of their exam papers if they didn't do so well. I bet there'll be a few of those. Additional results could be received from summer school programs. Ah, I see. And schools might submit uh, corrected or late uh, reported results for interim assessment. The NZQA figures show NCEA and UE, University Entrance Achievement Rates, peaked in 2020 for all NCEA levels and University Entrance uh, where extra credits were available, falling in 2021 and again in 22. So it probably is Jovid, isn't it? Uh, as the number of extra credits declined and fewer students were eligible for them. Despite the drops in 2021 and 22 levels, levels 3 and the university entrance achievement rates, they were higher in 2019 before the pandemic began. The authority said last year NCEA and scholarship exams were across 138 exam sessions in 469 exam centres, including seven in the Cook Islands, one on Nui Island, and three in prisons. <laughs> we pay for them to go to school. It said, oh, I suppose they should. I think just do hard labour. Just smash up rocks in the desert road, living in tents. That's my idea. Twelve, four, you know, all seasons. Yep, that's what they do. It's a good idea. Uh, anyway, it said, uh, other than digital exam platform reaching capacity with the NCA Level 1 English exam on November the 10th, the overall operation of the exams proceeded smoothly. There we are. That's enough of that. I'm getting growing tired of that one. I suppose you are too. Uh, what are the big? What are the top stories here? I'll do a refresh and just see what the new ones are. Uh, looks like the latest stories, related stories. Oh no, hang on. We've got to go back to New Zealand news. There we are. And no, it's nothing's changed. So they all still haven't come to work this morning. Looking at World King Charles uh, to have procedure for a prospect. State Buckingham Palace said the king's condition is benign, but uh, he will be will undergo a, a what they call a corrective procedure that's just come through. Princess of Wales uh, crowds clash with riot police as activists jailed for in Russia. Uh, Russian riot police fired tear gas and hit protesters with batons in Bashkor Tostan, Tosan, Tostan. It is Bashkor Tostan. Tostan. That's what I reckon. It's a pretty good go at that, Grant. I think you did all right. After rights activist. What's a rights activist? His name is Afail Aslov. <laughs> Stuffing Russians with your flipping names. Why can't you just speak English? Why can't you just, you know, learn English? You know, it's the, it's the end time language. The whole world speaks English. What the heck's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, we're sentenced to four years in the in a penis, it looks like pe- not penile, a, pe- a penitentiary. There probably is Princess uh, Princess of Wales and in, in hospital after abdominal surgery. Look at all the royals. Are they trying to poison them? Kensington Palace said the procedure was planned and successful, but the princess is not expected to resume royal duties for months. 
That's just come through in the last half hour. China's population drops for the second year with record low birth rates. Uh, it fell in, yeah, uh, as a record low birth rate and a wave of COVID-19 deaths. <laughs> oh, you trying to blame it on that. That'll be the day. Vaccine injuries, sudden death syndrome, lockdowns. Yeah, they kept them there and starved them to death. We've seen it. If you, if you want to know more about what actually went on over there, Samantha Edwards over at Counterspin Media. Go to Counterspin Media and look that up. She's on Band.Video as well, and Mad Max TV. She's there. But I think that maybe the easiest for us is just to go to Counterspin Media, look under videos, and while you're there, give them a donation. They need it. Um, and look at Samantha. Some of her ones, are, are, are go, you have to go back a few, probably about 10 back. 10 videos that she'd done, uh, and you will see uh, what, what was going on. She's got some incredible footage there of them, you know, just locking people up in these high-rise buildings, and the guys are on the balcony with the fridge wide open showing them they've got no food. Anyway, a deadly fire ants, um, they form uh, flood rafts to spread. What does that mean? One of the world's most invasive species is taking advantage of Australia's wild weather. I don't know if you can be bothered with it. Um, milk bar bandit, young father kicked off the Australia kicked out of Australia, leaves behind the kids. The young man, who held up several Mel- <laughs> Melbourne milk bars with a hatchet and was labelled a milk bar bandit by Australian media, has been banished to New Zealand. There'd be a 501 then, I suppose, isn't he? Should we find out about him? So, yes, 501 appeal, sending him back, the milk bar, the milky bar kid. The uh, the milk bar bandit, David Eus, it looks like, deported from Australia, leaving behind him his children. Young man who held up the, when, how old is he? Oh, he's 27 now. Uh, several Melbourne milk bars with a hatchet and was labelled the milk bar bandit by Australian media, has been banished to New Zealand. Kiwi born Matthew, looks like Eus, or something, 27, has been forced to leave behind his young children after the controversial Section 501 Australian, Australia's Migration Act was, was triggered following his spate of criminal offending. Absolutely, send the beggars back. I think so, and we should send them back over there as well if we've got criminals here. Send them all home, deport the lot of them. Uh, Gol Gol Rizgarama needs to go back to Iran, where she came from. Uh, Fancy coming over here, uh, if it's true, uh, and I think it is, but if if it's proven to be true in the courts, she needs to go, I think, send her to jail for, I don't know, six months, and then ship her back back to Iran, where she comes from, live with the the in-laws over there, live with her... um, relatives. Anyway, this fellow, the bandit, the milk bar bandit, he's been living in Australia for 15 years when he was jailed in June 2021 for four years and two months on account of intentionally causing injury. So I actually must have whacked someone with that machete or whatever it was he had. He had a hatchet. Oh, that's just the tomahawk, isn't it? And uh, so there we are. Random victim suffered severe injuries, including a brain bleed. Oh, gosh. In a sudden attack at the hands of this creep that they've gone and sent back over here now. And he punched the man twice and then threw him into the gutter where he was left unconscious. Very nasty. Anyway, so he's back in New Zealand, so that's good. So he'll uh, once he's out, he'll rear his ugly head again. Now, the deadly fire ants. Now, what's that? That's Australia. That's, they're a bit nasty, those fire ants. Anyway, fire ants, they are forming rafts of, uh, to travel on floods. Are they really? They're making little rafts. And they travelled down on the floodwaters across the storm-ravaged Queensland, aiding the spread of one of the world's most invasive species. Considered a super pest, uh, fire ants can cause major ecosystem changes and agricultural loss by feeding on native plants and animals. Their stings can also kill people. Wow. 
The Invasive Species Council ISC says the unusual rafting behaviour is evidence that fire ants uh, densities are increasing in Australia. Uh, it is asking communities across southeast Queensland and North New South Wales, which have been battling wild weather, to be on alert for these fire ants as they move in currents to establish footholds in the new areas. There's a video out and it's evidence of the rafting and it's been documented uh, on cane farms south of Brisbane where the fire ants have already infested about 700,000 hectares of land. Native to South America, red imported fire ants were first detected in Queensland in 2001, 22 years ago, uh, nearly 24, and have largely been contained within the state borders since then. Uh, how they entered Australia remains a mystery, got, got past, uh, got past um, customs, but it is thought that they're like they came on via you know, container ships here. But I thought they sprayed all the container ships, but obviously not. Not for the fire ant. And in November, local authorities reported several new fire ant nests that had spread into New South Wales from Queensland border for the first time, promoting a nationwide funding boost to eradicate them, eradication efforts. Fire ants are most commonly spread through contaminated soil and materials brought into new areas by people. Winged fire ants, that's the queens, are capable of flying several kilometres at a time, but can travel much further if blown by the wind currents. Australia's unique climate and lack of natural predators make it the perfect home for the fire ants, which could inhabit the entire continent except for the most extreme coldest locations, if not contained, according to biosecurity authorities. One of the biggest fears shared by experts is that they could one day get into the nation's Murray-Darling River system and then move rapidly into the new states and territories. The three-year-old colony uh, can hold as many as 100,000 fire ants and a mature queen can lay up to 5,000 eggs a day. In recent decades, fire ants have spread across the US, China, Taiwan, Japan and the Philippines, according to the Australian government. So watch out for those flipping, firing fire ants, those flying fire ants. China, they helped the Pacific Islands uh, with uh, policing, not defence, according to the ambassador over there. And uh, what have we got there? I have to click on it again. And this is a story by Kirsty Needham. And uh, she writes, China has a strategy to help Pacific Island nations with policing, not defence. And it is growing and its a growing presence in the region should not alarm Australia, China's ambassador to Australia said on Wednesday. Ambassador Xiang Kuang uh, also told, that's a pretty good effort, uh, told reporters that Nauru's decision this week to form diplomatic relationships or relations with having diplomatic relations <clears throat> with China at the expense of Taiwan was their own choice and would not impact Australia's ties with Nauru, a tiny nation of 12,500 people that uses the Australian currency. Uh, Pacific, well, they shouldn't be allowed to do that, forming, forming ties with flippin' China. That's not right. Should stop that, put a stop to it. Cut off their, cut off their supplies. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, we'll do something, <laughs> think of something. But they shouldn't be allowed to just go and join up with the, with the communists, 
with the CCP. What, what do we think? What are they thinking? Uh, Pacific neighbours Solomon Islands and Kiribati, they switched diplomatic recognition from Taiwan to Beijing in 2019. Oh, no, they're winning the war. This is war. You realise that? That's what's happening. They're just losing part. Oh, no, that's good. That means that what will happen then is when war breaks out because China is our future enemy. Oh, we all know that. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And I don't know why we trade with them because they are our future enemy. We should be trading with other nations as others. might not be quite so lucrative, uh, but at least it won't be better with that Chinese junk that we end up getting that you can't hard to get a refund on. <laughs> I've got a mince meat of the other, uh, a mincer, a meat mincer. And... Um, and then it arrived. I thought it would be stainless steel, and it jolly well turned out to be aluminum. And I said, "Is this for human? You know, this is for human use, you know." And he go, "Oh, yeah." And I, I thought, "Oh, okay." So I tried it, and sure enough, fragments of metal coming off in the mince meat. So we have an aluminium diet at the moment as well, just for good measure. <laughs> oh, all right, coming up to sixteen minutes to. Uh, Eight o'clock, and it'll all be over soon. You can go back to your job. <laughs> um, one of my listeners said I sounded a bit tired yesterday. Gosh, I tell you what, I feel a lot more tired. I felt alive yesterday compared to today. Uh, Trump's in court day after huge victory at the polls. Donald Trump is defending himself for a second time. He's not defending himself. He's got representatives. He's got um, he's got lawyers um, for the second time against charges that he defamed writer E. Jean Carroll after she accused him of raping her decades ago oh, just the idea of rape um didn't i have something on that i'm sure i did it was a pearl one uh i've got it here yeah just to give you an idea because they've changed the whole meanings of words it used to be beyond reasonable doubt um we'll give you this for a start off jeff bezos was strutting around my country because we are the biggest diversified markets you turn any corner you've got three people selling on a push card five little hawker shops. India is a big market of tiny bazaars and tiny hearts. And Jeff Bezos wants it, you know. He began with destroying publishing and bookstores. Now he wants our food. And he managed to get an agreement with our government that Alexa, you know, Alexa is what they call the personal assistant, that Alexa would teach our kids in schools what is eating right. So I immediately, I was leaving for here, but I announced, I said, when I come back, I'm going to do a campaign. Amma, which means mother or grandmother or our indigenous ancestors. Amma, not Alexa. We're going to learn what's eating right and what's good farming from our mothers and grandmothers and our great grandmothers. Now you're talking that, so I like that. Now this is Pearl talking about the family court. This is very interesting because, uh, will you listen to this? Tell me what you think of this. I know about the balance of probabilities, like in family court, you don't actually need evidence, where in criminal court you do. Criminal court is supposed to be proof beyond reasonable doubt, which is a legal definition that's been around for many, to many, many years. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the rape law changes made it that no longer was it really proof beyond reasonable doubt. It was, if this woman's accusation is believable, that's enough, that's called proof. Grant Edwards, playing today's best country, Liberty New Zealand Breakfast, the world at five, yeah. on 88.1 FM, the wireless. Ah, thanks very much. Well, we haven't played much uh, country, have we, this morning? Um, gosh, you know, let's see if I can find one there. Yes, having a good time, Alan Jackson. Hey, baby, I love you. I like Alan Jackson. Who likes Alan Jackson? You do? Oh, me too. 
Yeah, Alan Jackson. Cheryl Crow, I've got her in country. I don't know why. All I want to do is she shouldn't be there. I'll just quickly whip her out of there because that shouldn't be in country. She's in um, classic hits, really, isn't it? Isn't she? Okay. Hey, baby, I love you. Let's have let's have a listen to Alan Jackson here at 14 minutes to seven to eight. Lovely song, this one. Hey, baby, I love you. <laughs> I don't love anybody. <laughs> love, love, love. What's that? I love me. <laughs> I love my kids. He's just a singer, a natural born guitar ringer, kind of a clinger to sad old songs. He's not a walk behind her. note finder His name's a reminder of a blues man that's already gone So he started drinking Took some things that messed up his thinking He was sure sinking came along He was alone in the spotlight Not too much left inside She changed all that one night When she sang in this song Get out. Well, 
this blues man He's over 40 years old now Nights would be so cold now If she hadn't hung around With that blues man Lovely, isn't it? Alan Jackson. Hey, baby, I love you. It's nine minutes to eight. TNT Radio News is coming up at eight. Um, we've got some stories from Australia, some more stories there. Frisking, fisking, I think they call it. Fish, fishing. Are oh, you fishing? <laughs> fishing with a PH, though. Uh, let's have a look at that one that's uh, just come through there. They've been targeting individuals and uh, they're getting uh, going to get tough. On them. Let's have a listen to that. As I mentioned, another major cyber attack has hit large businesses. It includes uh, Dan Murphy, uh, event cinemas, Binge, uh, and even a Mexican food chain. Now, thousands of credit card details have been stolen. I got a suspicious email today from Binge. It seems suspicious. It seems like this sort of thing happens every second day. Nigel Fair is the cybersecurity professor with Monash University and joins me now from Canberra. Is this a pretty typical hack, Nigel? Yeah, g'day, Steve. It's becoming a pretty typical hack. We're hearing about it, you know, almost day in and day out. But this one's a little bit different because this is an attack on the individual account holder, not the organisation itself. So the odd thing today, I got a very early 4.30 in the morning email from Binge suggesting that my credit card details were out of date, uh, that the use by date on the card was about to expire and that I needed to put in my new details. Now, (laughs) Nigel, I'm not that technically astute, but I couldn't work out whether it was the real Binge or, or, or a make out hacker. What do I do? Look, it's a tough one, um, and it's getting tougher all the time. And, you know, sometimes it is legitimate. And and one thing that we've learned from phishing, um, you know, that's that spoofed email or text message, the banks have got onto it and realised they can no longer use um, generally SMS, but particularly emails as a marketing vector to their customers because of this heightened level of suspicions about is it legitimate or is it just a really good copy thereof? So it's getting tough for organisations, but, you know, they, they need to be doing a lot more. And, and this credential stuffing attack, as, as it's known, that, that we're talking about, is only going to keep on going the more normal data breaches that we keep on having. Nigel, how do these crooks then turn that data that they've managed to steal and then sell? How do the people who buy it off them actually generate income for themselves? I mean, how does that work? Well, there's income to be made at different levels of the cybercrime attack chain. So first off, you've got your cyber criminals that hack into big organisations. We've had a good 18 months of big organisations and you know, thousands and tens of thousands of credentials. So they'll do a ransom attack and they may try and monetize it that way. Secondary after that is they'll sell those details on the dark web or potentially use them themselves. Other criminals will buy them on the dark web and then what they'll do is they'll 
make an automated script, and you've just mentioned a bunch of brands which they've targeted, and they'll try all the usernames and all the passwords to see if those usernames or passwords have been reused in the same way. Once they get a live account, they then log in as that normal user. Um, if it's Dan Murphy's, buy you know some beer, alcohol, whatever. Um, other other chains, you know, get what it is and get it delivered using the real credentials and credit card details of that user, but to a different address. I think I'll ring binge myself. Nigel Fair, cybersecurity professor from Monash University. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Yes, thank you. That's from Sky News. You can find them at skynews.com.au. Also, Kim Jong-un, he's ruled out reunification with the South. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has ruled out reunification with the South. State media say three organisations tasked with dealing with reunification will be shut down. In a speech, the North Korean leader says his country's constitution should be changed to designate the South as North Korea's principal enemy. He has also threatened a possible nuclear attack on the South, whilst calling for a build-up of the country's arsenal. Well, hopefully Donald Trump gets in, and uh, because I think he he has a, not a bad relationship with Kim Jong-un, so hopefully Donald Trump will stop all the silly wars that the um, industrial complex want. They want wars. News coming up in about four minutes' time. In the meantime, here's Catherine Tate. Um, she's um, a very funny, very funny actress and comedian. Jeremiah Wainwright III. That's his full title. And his other title, the title the media have given him, is... The Cleaver. That's right, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, a few very small-minded people have called him that. Jeremiah can't come to England, can he? He'll never be able to visit you in your bakery because he's in Texas on death row. <laughs> if you want to call it death row, what would you call it? No, yes, it's death row. <laughs> so tell me about Jeremiah. What can I say? He is a beautiful, beautiful person. Most people would call him a cold-blooded serial killer. I know, Tonya. And believe me, there is hope for those people. When you say you've fallen in love with this man, that's one thing, but how do you condone mass murder? Life is a journey, Tonya. And sometimes we make a wrong turning. I know I have in the past. Does that make me a bad person? He abducted, tortured and murdered eight people. You don't know him like I know him. <laughs> Nobody does. He also ate two of them. <laughs> Have you never done anything you regret? I've never eaten anyone. So far. <laughs> I do realise this isn't the typical way that two people meet and fall in love, but, you know, sometimes things happen in life that nobody can explain. I mean, some people really can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> Elaine, let's be honest. The man's a criminal. He's more than that. He's a cannibal. He's a dangerous lunatic. A serial killer who's been put on trial, found guilty, and is now incarcerated in a dirty, lonely prison cell waiting to be put to death. You're making it all sound a bit negative. <laughs> There's always too many ready to judge. When people hear about Jerry's chosen path, they can't wait to jump on the bandwagon. Oh, you're marrying a cannibal. Oh, he ate two people. No, he didn't. He ate a bit 
of one of them. One of us is stupid, which is a time when most of us are experimenting with something new. I know for a fact my cousin once tried hashish. And do you honestly think a man like this is capable of love? Not before. That's because up until he had met me, nobody had ever shown him love. I taught Jerry how to love himself. Will you have any conjugal rights during your visit? No. Penitentiary regulations don't allow for that sort of thing, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, our relationship has never been based on anything physical, and I suppose you could say it's been a meeting of minds more than anything else. Plus, for 24 hours a day, he has to wear a muzzle. So. <laughs> I think people like, don't totally understand what I do with my time. They think like I'm a business guy or something like that. Like my Wikipedia page says business magnate. What would you call yourself? I'm a business magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone please change my Wikipedia page to magnet? I do engineering and, you know, and manufacturing and that kind of thing. That's like 80% more of my time. Ideas and then the implementation of those ideas. Hardcore engineering, like yeah. designing things, you know. Right. Structural, mechanical, electrical, software, user interface, engineering, aerospace engineering. Elon Musk there. And uh, we've got news coming up in just a moment. 88.1 FM, the wireless international news. Oh, I must be running a bit late. It's coming. Not too far away now. In the meantime, I'll refresh the weather and give you the latest weather for short forecasts for right across the country. We play in this hour. Go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The legal team of former President Donald Trump is preparing to present a defense that suggests U.S. intelligence agencies conspired against him. The strategy is set to unfold in a new filing related to his case involving classified documents. Special Counsel Jack Smith has charged Trump with offenses connected to his efforts to contest the 2020 election outcome and for retaining classified documents, which he transferred from the White House to his Mar-a-Lago residence. On Tuesday, Trump's attorneys submitted a motion indicating their intention to dispute claims from prosecutors regarding the security of the state where the documents were kept. Moreover, they plan to argue that the case against Trump is politically motivated and intended to damage his prospects in the 2024 presidential campaign. In support of this claim, they're seeking to obtain communications between Smith's team and associates of current President Joe Biden. The defense's brief offers a detailed glimpse into the possible defense strategies in one of the four criminal cases facing Trump. The document requests a court order compelling Smith's team to release a substantial amount of information. This particular case against Trump revolves around accusations that he solicited Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden, who was then a political adversary. Trump was impeached by the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives over these allegations, but was acquitted by the Senate. Nonetheless, the matter persisted and has led to the current charges by special counsel Jack Smith. Brussels has initiated a screening process and is assembling the negotiating framework as part of the ongoing discussions with Ukraine regarding its aspiration to join the European Union. Previously, some EU member states had indicated that Ukraine's accession to the EU could take several years. However, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen highlighted this new phase of negotiations in a recent address to the European Parliament. 
In her speech to the members of the European Parliament, von der Leyen recalled the moment last year when the formal accession process began, noting it filled hearts of millions of Ukrainians with hope and joy. She also acknowledged the process made by Ukrainian lawmakers in implementing the necessary reforms for EU membership. Earlier in the week, von der Leyen had a meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on the sidelines of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. During this meeting, they discussed the screening of Ukraine's national legislation, a step considered crucial for moving Ukraine closer to full EU membership. The government of Pakistan has denounced a purported missile strike by Iran in its Balochistan province, which occurred on Tuesday and reportedly led to civilian casualties. Islamabad intends to formally protest to Tehran about this incident, labeling it as a unilateral action and a breach of Pakistani sovereignty. On Tuesday evening, several Iranian news sources reported that missiles and drones targeted the headquarters of Jaish al-Adel, a group blamed by Iran for a December attack that resulted in the deaths of several Iranian police officers. However, there's been no official confirmation of this operation from Iran. Pakistan's foreign ministry issued a statement expressing strong condemnation of the incursion into Pakistani airspace and territory by Iran, which led to the deaths of two children and injuries to three girls. The statement emphasized that such a breach of Pakistan's sovereignty is completely unacceptable and warned of potential serious repercussions. Former GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy endorsed former President Trump in the 2024 race at a New Hampshire rally. That's what it means to stand for the rule of law in the United States of America. It means the people we elect to run the government needs to be the ones who actually run the government, not the shadow government in the deep state that runs the show today. This man is going to get in there this time around and actually shut down that deep state. Not messing around this time anymore. That's how we win this war in this country. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. Scraping together all the news and information you need. It's engaging. At the top and bottom of the hour. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. 88.1 FM. The wireless weather. Five past uh, eight. Yes, uh, five past eight. And uh, let's look at the extremes right across the uh, the moto. <laughs> Auckland, Manukau, 22 and a half degrees right now. 10.7 degrees in Waitati. The windiest place is Nugget Point with 39 kilometres per hour. Westport is the wettest with 7.8 millimetres. Temperatures right across the country. Good morning to you in Invercargill. 14 degrees for you. Stewart Island's on 15 degrees along with Dunedin. Chatham Islands, hello to you people out there. 17 degrees. Queenstown's on 13. Timaru's also 13. 15 in France Joseph. Westport 19. Nelson has 20 degrees. Christchurch 14. And Blenheim's on 16 degrees. Moving up to the North Island, Wellington and Masterton both sharing 17 degrees, Palmerston North 21, New Plymouth has 22 degrees and Napier 23, Tarpo 19 along with Rotorua, Gisborne is also on 19 and uh, Tauranga is on 21, Hamilton 19, Auckland 23, Whangarei and Kaitaia are both on uh, 22 degrees so it's nice and warm there. The short forecast for all of New Zealand valid until midnight tonight. 
and it's just gone six uh, minutes past eight. Northland Auckland, Waikato, Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of Plenty, fine spells with isolated showers today. Waitomo to Manawatu, including the central high country, also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay and the Wairarapa. Partly cloudy with scattered showers, mainly in the afternoon and evening with some heavy falls and there may be also some thundery things happening there in land especially. In Horowanua to Wellington, generally fine weather with a few clouds, cloudy periods today. In the South Island, Marlborough, Nelson, Buller and Westland, rain with heavy falls and thunderstorms in the west. It's going to be clearing in Nelson and Marlborough in the evening. In Canterbury, cloudy periods with scattered rain with thunderstorms possible in the high country in the afternoon and evening. For Otago and Southland and also Fiordland, mostly cloudy with scattered showers, rain developing this morning, clearing this evening. And finally for the Chatham Islands, cloud increasing this evening with uh, possibly it's going to be a drizzly uh, there as uh, as well. There we go. Okay, that's my lot. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, there's a bit disorganised, wasn't I, today? Sometimes I, have, sometimes I have trouble reading the news. Yesterday I thought I was all right, but this morning I felt struggling a wee bit. These things happen. It's hard when you're dyslexic. The key to success is what is called future orientation. That means top people, top 10% of people, think about the future most of the time. They think about the future most of the time, and they practice a concept used by top people called idealization. They idealize, they imagine they have no limitations, and they imagine you could wave a magic wand and make your future perfect in every way. Your income, your career, your work, your relationships, and your family, your health, your financial situation. If it was perfect, what would it look like five years from now? And then, what is the first thing you could do, the first step right now, to make your future life perfect in every way? And whatever it is, just take the first step. The first step is always the hardest step because it forces you to break out of your comfort zone. And the comfort zone is so strong that probably 90% of people are held back from their full potential all their lives. Now, 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 here comes another hour of today's best country and more. This is 88.1 FM, The Wireless.